Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Carl Nelson Show. And Grand Rising family, thanks for starting your week with us again. Later, futuristic researcher Siddiqui Bakari will update us on the latest AI, artificial intelligence developments. Siddiqui will also explain the relationship between transhumanism and spirituality. But to get us started, this morning we're going to speak with Garvey, Brother Sengo Baye. Before we go to Brother Sengo, let's say good morning, Kevin Langford. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Carl. How you feeling? Excellent. How about yourself? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. See, yeah, we're going to make some adjustments here. Acting up today. <laughs> okay. How you feeling, man? How was your weekend? It was great. You know, it's, there's been much of it on the, on the TV watching the football game like many other people. We'll find out later this morning how many people actually watch the football game. But I guess you, you, you're in the crowd that happened that the football game is over, right? This, well, almost though. The season's almost over. Well, I'm actually neither loving or hating it. I'm in, a little bit indifferent to it. Uh, but I'm aware of... Uh, you know of the news and all. I watched the lowlights of the <laughs> of the game for the surprised for the Ravens. Yeah, I'm 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 a little surprised because uh, most of the year there were highlights of the Ravens with this, right. uh, but yesterday, man, it was like the guy's explanation of why they lost was weird. Even you know, we, we he said we know we're the, and I don't know which uh, which player it was, but he said we know we're the best team. We just didn't show up today. And I'm like, well, of all days, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all about consciousness, isn't it? You know, so how does a, an entire team lose their momentum? That that that, yeah. that is something if you could sell, if you could figure out <laughs> what makes hey, you know, I wish was people just say, we, we were just outplayed. We, they, they're the better team. They just beat us. We were just outplayed. Just be straight. You know, we were outplayed. You know, you, you've got to, at that level, you've got to perform. Yeah, when you get to the big stage, you've got to perform. I'm sorry. Yeah, we were just it, outplayed. It was certainly highlights for uh, what, what were they? The Kansas City Kansas Chiefs? City Chiefs. Yeah, it was certainly highlights for them, man. Everything they of showed. Course. Uh, what an interception right there in the end zone, and yeah, uh, every pass seemed to work. Of course, it, they only show the good stuff anyway in those uh, replays like that. But uh, yeah, it looked amazing. It really yeah. did, man. So. Uh, It'll be exciting to lead up to the Super Bowl to watch it, I suppose. And then, of course, then there's Usher on stage. And, yeah. again, I don't have love or hate for Usher. So it's like, hmm. Bring well, back, you know, the Super Bowl is just more Beyonce. than a football game. And, and for those who just don't know, it's going to be Kansas City and, and San Francisco and Vegas in a couple of weeks. So and then then we shut down football over then. It's uh, you know, you, you're going to turn attention to basketball where they're all, all, you know. But, you know, for some people, though, sports is, is, is like I said, is a distraction. So I just want to check in with you because I know you don't follow sports to the letter like some people do. Uh, no, I, I do not. I, and I don't feel bad about it either. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's They've made their goal. They've achieved 
a certain level of success, unfortunately, for the Ravens and their fans. Man, did you see the the pandemonium of fans, man? There was the fans crying. There, they See, they showed fans before the game, you know, and they were sure that the Ravens were going to be in the Super Bowl. And then they showed fans after the game, some of them crying. Many of them left before the game was over. Don't you still need your support? Yep. <laughs> i tell you what, let's talk about support. Let's bring in Brother Sangor here, five after the top. Brother Sangor, good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Carl. How are you and your listeners? How are you doing? We're excellent this morning, brother. How, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just had a big weekend. I uh, had a big program yesterday dealing with, uh, you know, Liberia, uh, Liberian Renaissance Plan. Uh, it was a U.S. tour that came through here, and uh, it was a very, very enlightening program addressing solutions. Uh, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. I'm supposed to be joined this morning by Brother Paul Pumphrey and also uh, Tokai Patterson. Are they on the line? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, it's just you and me this morning, you and I this morning, I should say, right now. But we can go ahead. We can keep it going. Yeah, they both the are listeners. supposed to call in. Sure, yeah. they both are supposed to call in because Brother Paul is going to update us on the uh, Bethesda uh, African Cemetery Coalition, which is a lot, a lot of great information, and that's very important. So uh, he's supposed to be calling in, and Brother Kokaya uh, is going to deal with AWA and health. And of course, okay. I'm going to I'm going to talk about you know the UNIA, different things that the UNIA is doing, and where we're going. I heard y'all talking about the games yesterday. I didn't. I, I left it after the first quarter in the first game because I had a program to deal with, and I was a little disappointed the Ravens did not uh, come to play and do what they needed to do. Uh, but it is what it is. I mean, you know, I, I don't lose. You know, uh, experience sometimes always overrules excitement. And I think mm. that's what happened. <laughs> you know, Kansas City's experienced team in, in games like that. Uh, and uh, they, they came to play. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, that, that's an astute observation. And, and you're, you, you're probably correct in that because the Ravens are getting on the, the stage, even though people complain they should have been ready. But uh, Kansas City have been there before. So, you know, emotionally, because a lot of sports, it's not just the physical, it's the mental preparation. And that's what you're referring to. Well, experience, not just not just the mental. I mean, you know, all of them come out there to play, but it's experience. As a, as a growing up athlete myself, it's who comes out and demonstrates uh, what you would call um, um, consistency at every position. And and from what I understood, uh, there was a lot of penalties and there was yeah. a lot of turnovers. Uh, which cause you to lose games, no matter what happens. And uh, you're a high-profile offense, and everybody loves, you know, Jackson. But you know, the bottom line is, you got to put points on the board. Uh, Kansas City came out and went down the field and scored the first touchdown. That 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 kind of takes away a lot of uh, what I call momentum. And uh, even though. The Ravens came down and answered it. You know, uh, it wasn't the same. It wasn't consistency. It was like a, a based off a of great play, whereas Kansas City was consistent. Everybody was consistent. You know, running, moving the ball. You know, uh, the defense was consistent. 
that wins games, man, you know, experience. Yeah. And particularly when you're playing in your own stadium. Yeah. I think I think the Ravens were too hyped. You know, and yeah. you should be hyped in those kind of games, but they were too hyped instead of focused, you know. Anyway, it's done now. It's fast. Yeah, <laughs> it's fast. Yeah, right. So we just look forward to the Super Bowl with Kansas City and San Francisco. But uh, Brother Sango, Paul has joined us now on line one. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Paul, uh, t- give us the, what's going on with, with the cemetery, Moses Cemetery in Bethesda. Before we do that, and I ask you each and every time people we talk about the, the cemetery issues, give us the backstory. How did this all start? <laughs> this backstory goes all the way back to the time before the um, Civil War. Mm-hmm. And that was that Bethesda, back in the day, was an agriculture area uh, just outside of Washington, D.C. They grew tobacco, they grew cotton, and anybody knows anything about tobacco knows that it really is punishing on the soil. And so as they were growing their tobacco, uh, they basically destroyed the soil that they were using to grow the crops. The result of that was that um, they got to a point where they weren't very productive in their crops. And then you had the time where the um, international law was against transatlantic slaves, which meant that they no longer could bring slaves from Africa to the United States. Just at that time was about the time they had the cotton gin, which made uh, cotton much more profitable because fact, they could get the seeds out of the cotton balls. And so here you had a a huge demand for labor in the South. At the same time, uh, they weren't able to bring more Africans to the United States. And so a lot of the farmers in the North, including here in the state of Maryland, what they began to do was take their slaves and actually try to mass produce them by impregnating the women slaves that they had, uh, and and then after that, uh, take the babies and the young children and sell them to states like Mississippi and Alabama that grew a lot of cotton and had a great demand for more labor. Of course, the owners of these plantations up here in Maryland uh, were very greedy. And so their thing was just how many slaves can we produce? So they were actually impregnating young girls as young as 12 years old to produce babies. The result of that was that many of the young people uh, became ill and died. And so there was a swamp area across the road from the major plantation right there on the river road. And they would take those bodies across the street and bury them in the swamp because they couldn't use that land for crops anyway. So you end up having a cemetery, which later became known as the Moses Cemetery, that was located right there in Bethesda, Maryland. And I can remember uh, going up in Montgomery County that back in the 50s, there were constant stories coming through the Afro-American newspaper 
about how unscrupulous white businessmen will come and swindle uh, property because once they ended slavery after the Civil War, then those farmers basically had no means of generating their income anymore because they could no longer sell these young children down to the South. And since they couldn't sell the children down there, they pretty much just gave up and sold the uh, land that they had been using for their plantation to many of the former slaves as they were able to go out and work and start generating income. The result of that was you had black communities living right there in Bethesda, Maryland. And they continued to use the area that had been used before for a graveyard for the uh, family members that would pass away because obviously uh, during the time of slavery, it was very um, demanding on the body and life expectancy wasn't very long. And so you had a graveyard there that is now located right off of River Road, right next to the McDonald's. And that graveyard pretty much lasted for a number of years. Over the years, the county came in and took control over the land. And Hold that thought right there, uh, Paul. We got to take a short break here. Family just okay. joined us. It's 14 minutes after the top. The Alice brothers saying go obey by A's. We're listening along with Paul Humphrey discussing what's going on with the Moses Cemetery. That's the black cemetery that's in Bethesda, Maryland. And for those outside of the DMV, Bethesda is one of the upscale portion of the of the of Washington D sub suburb of Washington DC very wealthy neighborhood if you will as I mentioned we got to take a short break we come back if you want to join this conversation reach out to us at 800-450-7876 your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB if you're in the DMV we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL where information is power And good morning once again, family. Our guest is uh, Brother Senghor Baye and also Paul Humphreys with us. They're giving us an update on what's going on in the fight to save a black cemetery in Bethesda, Maryland. It's in Montgomery County area of the Washington, D.C. Uh, DMV, if you will. It's a, it's a, it's an upscale neighborhood, and the fight is still continuing. So, Paul, I'm going to let you finish telling the audience what was going on. Yes, I'll try to keep it short. Um, so basically what you ended up having was that you had a black community that began to grow right here on River Road. And as the developers who um, were building houses in Washington, D.C. after World War II were running out of space of building new houses in new neighborhoods, they decided to go north and to go south. And so you begin to see developers coming in and buying large tracts of land in Maryland as well as Virginia. As we well know, those areas have been Upper Montgomery County and uh, Alexandria and uh, Arlington in Virginia. Well, as this began to happen, there were a number of unscrupulous um, developers who decided they wanted to make a quick buck. Of course, many of the African community that lived there in Bethesda at the time in their 50s uh, weren't highly educated. 
uh, because Montgomery County had the segregated schools, and most people didn't go beyond sixth grade because Montgomery County only had one junior senior high school for African-Americans back in the 50s, and that was in Rockville. So they would come out, and they would befriend the uh, black residents who lived out there in Bethesda, and to often even take them out for drinks and what have you, and then get them to put their X on a piece of paper, promising them that that meant one thing when it actually meant that they were signing over their deeds to their property for a very little bit of money. And be knowing to the people who own that land, they very quickly begin to lose that land in Bethesda as these developers started moving in and building these high-end homes uh, in Bethesda, Maryland, along River Road. So people, for the most part, because the black community that uh, knew about the cemetery and used the cemetery for their family members were no longer there, um, that piece of land kind of went unused and unseen. The county eventually took over that land and um, claimed it to be their own since no one was, was claiming it. Uh, and I'm talking about the area where the cemetery was because it was a much, pretty much a swamp area. And eventually, a few about eight years ago, the county decided through their HOC, Housing Opportunity Commission, to sell land to a developer. Now, the developer, in buying the land, claimed that what he wanted to do was to build a storage uh, company where you know how people, you rent a little uh, storage room and you can put your... Uh, whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Right. Yeah, well, bring, bring, bring us up to today. What, where, where does it stand today? Okay, where it stands now is that the African community began to challenge this fact that they were digging up these graves. Uh, supposedly to build a storage room. And in the process of them digging up the grave, they literally dug a hole in the ground about 15 feet below ground level uh, as a means of probably taking away any evidence that there were any graves there. Well, under Maryland law, and basically across the country, law is, is that you really cannot dig up uh, a graveyard without the permission of people who are associated with the graveyard. And once people began to realize what was going on there, because, again, most of the black community had left that area, but there is still a black church there that's over 100 years old. And they took note of what was happening there when some of their members pointed out, who used to live there in the 50s, pointed out that they were digging up a graveyard. People got angry and began to challenge the uh, county government and saying that they should stop digging it up and allow that um, graveyard to be, again, kept as a graveyard. And so this battle has been going on with the county and the developers and the African community in that region of Montgomery County uh, to say that they should no longer uh, devastate this graveyard. 
Right. Well, and let me bring because we got some folks want to talk to you uh, both of you. So before we do that, let me bring Senghor back in. Senghor, what's what's been the response from the black community in the DMV uh, or across all the way up, uh, just on the East Coast to what was going what's going on here with the cemetery? Well, well, well first I want I want to thank Brother Paul for, for for giving us that. See, it's very important to know your own story, and Paul laid it out and brought us forward, and that's very very important so that people understand. Now, in terms of the support that we have now, of course, the coalition is a broad coalition, but the UNIA, you know, Rehabilitating Committee is very much a part of that. We have been appealing to the African community and to the whole community about the importance of this, because if anyone disrespects burial grounds, they will also disrespect you. That is truly what's happening, as Brother Paul laid it out. You know, my father was born also in in the in uh, the Montgomery County area. So, but what what is so important right now, Paul, is for people to support us. We just recently uh, went to the Supreme Court of Maryland, and a great turnout. But we still need more support. Everybody in the DMV should be supporting this effort, and it's important. That's why we do these shows like this, so that we can let people know that we're not changing. The Bethesda, the Bethesda African uh, uh, Cemetery Coalition is very serious, and we're consistent, and we're going to press on because if you disrespect our ancestors just like you disrespect us living today, then something has got to be done about it. And I, I applaud uh, the church mo, uh, uh, the church uh, Macedonia and uh, Reverend Adebayo and Sister Marsha for taking the lead of building this coalition. So our call to the African community is to get aware, be supportive, and understand that this is a very, very important issue. And it just is not happening, as Paul kind of alluded to, all across the country. We have cemeteries where our actual African ancestors have been uh, mistreated, abused, and destroyed. Now, there's been some cases, like we had Brother Blakey, who, 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 who has done great work, uh, you know, with some cemeteries, but it's a lot of more work that needs to be done. So our call is to support our ancestors, support those families who have uh, young girls. And then last but not least, recently, this guy Train, who's running for Senate, disrespected one of our black sisters, Sister Marsha, when she approached him at a, ML, a Martin Luther King event, and he had the audacity to say to her, the audacity to say to her, that little, nobody cares about that little cemetery. So once again, he disrespected our, our African ancestors, young black girls that were buried there, and he also disrespected a black woman. And that's very important. So we we're, have a petition that we are addressing that issue because he's dropping money all over the place to brother blacks who don't understand how important it is to hold our politicians accountable. And we've had similar situations like that in Montgomery County and the audacity of a rich uh, politician, white at that, to disrespect a black woman. So that's uh, an example of some of the things that have been happening around this that demonstrate the disrespect of not only HOC, but politicians that are running for positions that 
should be held accountable. And we want black people not to vote for people who can disrespect a black woman. So I'll stop on that point. I could go on and on yeah. and on. But I, I'm, I'm very upset about the fact that he would have the audacity after running commercials all over TV, dropping money all over the place and getting black people to vote for him, that he has the audacity to disrespect black girls in a cemetery and a black woman. We ain't having it. All right, hold that thought right there. It's 30 minutes after something. we got some folks who want to talk to you. Smitty's up first. He's on line four calling from Baltimore. Good morning, Smitty. Yes, good morning, Carl, and good morning to the, the, the people that you have on there. Uh, not too long ago, which was back, we had uh, Attorney Julian on, which represented the uh, cemetery. And I want to say I'm totally disappointed that we haven't moved as far as we should have moved. I did discuss that with the National Action Network, which is a part of Al Sharpton, when we had our meeting with Senator Young in reference to the cemetery that they needed our support here in Baltimore. I did have them to come on the radio show. But I want to say this here, call. it's a shame that we got blacks in every key position that we can, and we're not, and that cemetery is not getting the notoriety to stop this from happening to it. It should be that the governor should be able to put an executive order in place to stop this stuff here. And I don't understand why we keep voting for people and they get the power that they have and they don't use the power to help us, but they use our vote. So I'm back with what he just said. We need to go to the polls and vote them rascals out. Every one of them that are in there that hadn't support this cemetery, which I say is a disgrace that this is happening to our community and, and we need to vote them right out. And this governor here, if he don't step his game up to answer the, the, the plea and the cry of these people, he will never get another vote from me. I am disappointed with what I heard and what I see. All right. Uh, Smitty, tell me like it is. You're, you're 28 away from the top. Yeah, we're coming from on a break. But, you know, Brother Sengo, I'm, I'm going to throw this at you because and I'm asking Sister Marshall this uh, quite a bit, too. I don't see the response coming from the DMV or from Baltimore that with this thing requires from our from our community a, a similar situation happened and professor small mentioned it in lower manhattan brothers lay down in front of the bulldozers and, and tractor trailers you're not going to desecrate our, our people like this our ancestors it's not going to happen i don't see that passion uh, that drive I, I, in this for this particular incident because they're, they're dis- as you mentioned you talked about disrespecting they're disrespecting our ancestors it could be our own blood people they would never do this to another group so again I, I, we got when we come back from the break brother Sengo maybe you can explain that to me why the response has been so tepid if you will from our people on this on this issue as I mentioned family we got to step aside take a short break at 27 away from the top there we're back in four minutes though right here with your comments your questions from brother Sangor and brother Paul right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB if you're in the DMV we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL where information is power and good morning once again, family. 22 minutes away from the top of the hour with Brother Sango Baye and Paul Humphrey. They give us an update on the fight to save a black cemetery in Bethesda, Maryland. It's a suburb of Washington, D.C. As we speak, bulldozers and tractors are out there digging up the graves of our ancestors. You know, the remains, body remains, and, and uh, remains of uh, uh, caskets are, are surfacing. And that's another issue, too, what are they doing with the remains? And my question is, before we left, was 
why the response from our people have been so tepid. Before you have a response of Brother Senghor, let me just remind folks, coming up later this morning, we're going to speak with uh, Brother Sadiqa Bakari. He's, he's a researcher, a futuristic researcher. He always gives us an update on what's going on with artificial intelligence, AI. And later this week, you're going to hear from Chairman Fred Hampton. He's going to join us about, there was a cancellation of a Pan-African uh, conference in Ghana. He was there. He's going to give us an update what happened. Also, reparations advocate Cam Howard will join us. And Neely Fuller Jr. will be here as well. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010. WOLB, free in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. So Senghor, help me out here, because do, do we need a Khalid or a Coakley to come back to start, you know, to, to get in the hearts and minds of our folks so they understand what's at stake here? No, no, no. Really, Carl, let me, let me be very plain and simple, Carl. The lack of knowledge of self is a very dangerous thing. Uh, I don't want to beat up on our people for the apathy and the ignorance who have been distracted by so many different things. However, many of us are aware and awake and working. Today is a very great opportunity to get the word out to other brothers and sisters. I think the lack of awareness, the uh, miseducation, there's a whole lot of factors that play into us being so apathetic that we don't rise up and support situations of this nature. We got a lot of people always complaining. Very few people are following those great brothers and sisters who brought solutions. Many of our ancestors have brought various different solutions to our problems, and still we don't have enough of the mass support that is required. This particular issue is a very, very important one because our ancestors are waiting and watching, and they're very much in a spiritual sense alive. So what we're doing is striving to wake up more brothers and sisters, and it gets frustrated out here. However, there are enough of us awoke to raise the consciousness, to re-educate. That's why we're dealing with today not only what's going on in the cemetery, but we're dealing with issues of health, issues of education. And I'm talking about from our own perspective. Brother Paul Pumphrey, I would like him to chime in on this because what Paul laid out earlier is a perfect example. Many people don't understand how to address the history, like Brother Renoko Rashidi, like Tony Martin, like so many brothers and sisters. You mentioned Smalls, Leonard Jeffries. There's a whole lot of us. But Brother Paul is a long-distance runner and been around a long time, has traveled the world. I've been around a long time. And we understand that our people are asleep to the issues we need to be awoke on because of many distractions. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't just say that it's because people want support. A lot of our people don't know. Most of our people are caught in the boob tube and don't listen to great programs like this call. They're distracted. Like everybody was at the, you know, checking the football games out, for an example. Those are distractions, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to beat up on people that like sports, but we're distracted. We caught up in false entertainment, false athletics that don't do anything to raise us up. But you rush to those things, but you rush away from issues like this, and we're trying to change that and are working hard to do it. So I would like Brother Paul to chime in on that because Paul laid out something earlier that most people don't tie to why we are fighting this battle, and that is the history. It's been a consistent disrespect coming from the system of white supremacy for many, many years, and it continues to this day. All right, Paul? 
Yes, one of the things I want to bring up is the arrogance of the developers. Uh, they not only are disrespecting the concerns that we have brought to their attention, but they have pretty much dug up the graveyard and moved the the, uh, the soil at a great expense to themselves, uh, almost out of Montgomery County altogether. They have the government, the county officials have sat back and said if they saw any evidence of any bones in that area where they were digging, that they would immediately stop construction and uh, have the bones analyzed as to whether they're human bones or not. Well, we found out later on that they not only found bones, but they're storing the bones in Virginia. Mm -hmm. You you know, uh, it's clear that you have uh, people like Mark Eldridge, who's the county exec, talking out of both sides of their mouths. Now, even recently, we know we had a snowstorm last, last week along with a rainstorm that followed it. And the result of it was that that huge hole that they dug in the ground filled up with water because that area, as I said before, used to be a swamp. So what does the developer do? He puts a sump pump in the bottom of the hole and then pumps the water out of the hole off the land that he supposedly has bought from the county and now washing that water right on down into the Potomac River. And we've had uh, samples to show that that water is contaminated. So he's polluting the Potomac River from the water coming out of the graveyard. And yet the county officials still have done nothing to stop it. And so it's it's a it's a real mess because it's just showing a total disrespect for the laws that already exist and the fact that the county government is letting them get away with it without challenging them in any way about them violating their own laws. Mm. All right, hold that thought there. Sixteen away from the top of the hour, uh, Paul. Yeah. Uh, Howard wants to get in on the conversation. He's out in Los Angeles. He's on line three. Good morning, Howard. Good morning. Thank you. Hope everybody's doing fine. Uh, We have the same situation out here in the the Compton area, Compton Carson area, two cemeteries across here from there. What's going on? People going around desecrating those grave sites, and some I understand uh, their uh, headstones are made of copper, and they've been taking the gravestones off, and some are just getting money for that, and they're desecrating the graves out there and uh, out there and I was wondering uh, if Molly Bell's issue she could she chime in because I understand her brother's buried out there did they ever have her brother's body removed or remains removed and put him in a uh, cemetery out there veteran cemetery but it's happening all over there's another cemetery out well, there. well let me ask you this Howard what, what's the response though if that's going on are people are people you know rising up are they upset are they are they doing anything it's somebody doing something, but not at the level I think it should be done. You know, um, they, it's been on the news. That's how we found out about it. Uh, a couple of people that have relatives out there, they're working on the situation, too, like they're in Maryland, you know. So it's not that it's uh, – it could be more participation, i put it that way. Yeah. But there are people that are aware of it, and uh, they've definitely been uh, calling attention to the problem. But it's been reported in the news a couple of times where somebody's been going through there just breaking havoc on the cemeteries. And I think, you know, that's that's not right. You don't mess with the dead like that, you know. So 
it's, it's, a, it's a terrible situation all over. Thank, all right. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, thanks for sharing that with us. It's 14 away from the top there. Dr. Patterson's joining us. i got to ask him this question. Dr. Patterson, good morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Brother Quasey. Good morning to uh, you, uh, Brother Sengo, and my big brother, Paul Pumphrey. Yeah, let me ask you this question, though, because they're saying that they've, they've taken these body parts, and we don't know where the, the, the remains of our ancestors are taking them. How serious is this? You know, how serious is this to, for them to be confiscating the remains of, of people who have died? You know, we saw the same thing, and we'll probably hear a bit tomorrow, when uh, Mike Africa from the New MOVE organization joins us. He said yeah. the same thing happened with some of the MOVE people. They, they took them to, to uh, University of Pennsylvania and doing all kinds of experiments without even telling the, the relatives that the, the remains of their, the, 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 the brains of their relatives were being used in experiments. Do yeah. we do we know what's happening to these these the remains these bones and other parts of body parts that that they've seized and where they are now? Yeah, I, of course we've talked about this for years and years and years, and this brings a new meaning of, of from cradle to the grave. You know, this is a a, a concept, this is a a principle, this is an idea, this is what they live by. When they have to destroy a culture, they have to destroy the culture from the cradle. To the grave, we're in a situation right now where we got a young sister where we were demonstrating about two weeks ago to prevent the uh, CPS from taking the baby. We go to the facility uh, just to demonstrate at the facility, and we get information that it's two white uh, female lesbian Russians coming to get the baby, to get the baby. The baby's been in the hospital for two years. They said the baby would never walk, would never talk. You know, such a, we go there, the baby's singing, talking. We're having a ball with the baby. This is actually one of my mentees' child. Uh, and again, they want the baby so they can do whatever they want with the baby. If the baby dies, of course, they're going to donate the baby to whatever. So, of course, it's the same thing as it relates to our burial grounds. They do not want any energy coming from our, our burial grounds. They don't want any connection with us to who we are in terms of, uh, being African people, there's three things: there's uneven development, you know, in this, in this, in this, in this, in our community. There are people who don't know. There are people who know a little bit, and then there are people who are confused, you know. And this is what we've been dealing with, and they've been able to maintain a system that propagates misinformation, redirects people, and gives people some things that they think are good for them, like Singo talked about, the football games and, you know, all of the things that they uh, deal with as it relates to entertainment. When we look at those nine areas uh, that Dr. Welsing talks about, and we can add health to that, you know, these are the things that they take control over, and they put out the information, and we grasp it, like uh, Singo stated, only because we don't know. And it's been beaten out of us, and they continue to do it today. You know, we got over 100,000 people dying from drugs. You know, the murders that are going on in our community with young people, you know, 13, 14 years old, just shooting each other. You know, we're on the front line every day dealing with this. And it was not like this 30, 40 years ago. But we understood very clearly then that it would get to this point. You know, that's the progression. You know, we talked about dialectical materialism back in the 70s, uh, you know, in our political education classes. We understood the connections of things and what those things would reproduce. We understood the definition of power, the ability to define a phenomena 
and make that phenomena act in a desired in a desired manner. But our school systems have never corrected themselves after slavery was over. Uh, Claude Anderson talked about it years ago. Less than one percent of us uh, could read or write. And of course, uh, Professor Smalls. I just saw him at uh, Sekou Odinga's uh, funeral, Janaza. Uh, and he's been talking about these same things for years and years and years. So a single state, we just have to continue, you know, to hammer down, to continue to get the information and the education out to our community. And it's going to take a while. All right. Nine away from the top. Yeah. But let's say, so what do we do now? What, what's our move, ne- our next move? Well, the move is to get organized. To be organized is very critical. What we, we're working on with, with, the, with the UNIA ACL Rehabilitating Committee is to strive to consolidate. There's a lot, there's a lot of different things going on, like Brother Kokaya was just saying, uh, is critical. For example, we're coming into Black History Month. We don't need to just talk about individual celebrities or athletes and things like that. We need to talk about what is not, what is happening right now, how it relates to yesterday, how important it is for us to know how powerful we were way back yonder and to bring that forward. So I would say, uh, Carl, it is critical for us to close ranks, those of us who know, and show those who need to know where they need to go. That's important. We need, you know, the good news is a lot more of us are waking up because, as Brother Kokaya said back in the day, we kind of foresaw us coming to this point. But we have to address all of these issues the best possible way we can so that we can reverse our health, re-educate ourselves, to do away with the miseducation, to consolidate our groups like Black Seeds, the Nubian Leadership Circle, the Marcus Garvey Institute for Human Development, the African Diaspora Ancestral Commemoration Institute, Us Lifting Us, the Sixth Region Diaspora Caucus, the National yes. Black Council of Elders, the National yes. Black United Front, the Provincial Government yes. of the Republic of New Africa, AWA, yes. the African Holistic Health Association, the Pan-African yes. Federalist Movement, Appeal, yes. and I could go on and on and on. Yes. Hood Smart. There's yes. a lot of us, but now we need to close ranks and really practice Nguza Saba 365 days and we will see results sooner than we really can realize because a lot of us are doing great work but now we need to bring the work in to work to consolidate the resources that we have together and that's what we're working on not just here in North America but all over the world it's critical that those of us that are conscious close ranks and show those unconscious what needs to happen because like Hokiah say they're killing our young brothers and sisters that cradle to the grave thing that he mentioned is critical because if you can't support if you cannot support your ancestors and can't support your newborns what do you have in the middle all right, hold that thought right there, Brother Sango. We got to take a short break. Brother Dr. Patterson, I'll let you respond when we get back. We got to take a short break yeah, here, six right. minutes away from the top there with Brother Sango. Also, uh, Dr. Gakaya Patterson's with us, and also Paul Pumphrey's with us as well, family. You want to join this conversation? Reach out to us at 800 450 7876. We're back again in four minutes, as I mentioned, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power.
And good morning once again, family. Minute after the top of the hour. Thanks for waking up with us this morning. Our guest is Brother Sengo Baye. You know, he's a Garveyite. Paul Pumphrey is with us. Also, Dr. Kakai Patterson. We started off talking about the Black Cemetery in Bethesda, Maryland. The fight is still on to save that Black Cemetery and the remains of our ancestors. But, it's not, but it is a symptom of what's really wrong with our, in our community. And that's where we, we have to close ranks, as Brother Sengo uh, mentioned. So, uh, uh, Dr. Patterson, I'll let you finish your thought because you wanted to say something yeah. in response to what Brother Sangor has said. Yeah, just to bed you back, you talked about Black History Month. And, you know, again, as I talked about all the confusion that was created, we can talk about Kwanzaa in the same way, which he ended up with the last principles. I mean, in Guzo Saba principles in his last statement. Uh, those are seven days that were put together for the purposes of us looking at the past year, figuring out what the hell went wrong and what we need to get up off our butts and do. It has now become a party for seven days where we just drumming, dancing, wearing our, our, our African clothes, and then we put them back in the closet, you know, uh, uh, after Kwanzaa is over. Our cultural identity has been robbed from us. We worship other heroes. Here we have Brother Sekou Odinga, uh, who was locked up for 33 years for the liberation of Asada Shakur. How many of our young people know about these kinds of heroes that are much more powerful than Jesse James and, you know, all of these other people uh, that they keep talking about? So, again, the misinformation to redirect people not to know who we are and to have people decide to kill themselves. My young son was on the phone with a young cat, 17 years old, and I used to uh, watch this little kid. He's over at D.C. jail, just got transferred, has a murder beef. 17 years old, he's talking to my son, my son is telling him to cool out. You can't go over to jail acting like you're a killer. You won't make it but for a few days. All of this is a part of the process. The kid that he shot was 14 years old. Every week, I'm at Child uh, YSC, which is one of the youth centers here in D.C., and we do acupuncture, and we have to go through the jail sometimes to get in. Oh, my God, the conditions are incredible, so I'm glad that my mentees see these kinds of things. This condition in jails today, same conditions that they had, you know, in the slave uh, 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 caves and uh, 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 castles, etc. So it's the same concept. So, again, they've gotten better at what they do. We have to get better at what we do. All right. That's interesting uh, uh, what you just described. Just two after the top down. Go ahead, Brother Singal. Yeah, I want I want Paul to chime in, and I hope Paul you can stick with us. Uh, I know you were going to be on for the hour, but I hope you can stick with us because there's more that I want you to share about the Bethesda African uh, uh, Cemetery Coalition, uh, which is important to bring us more up to date with specifically what is going on, what happened at the Supreme Court, and and I'm glad you talked about the flooding issue because that's current. So if, if that's okay, Carl. Cause oh, like, sure, because we want to find out. It, it, and my question for Paul, though, Brother Sengor, are they as we speak, are, are the bulldozers and tractors still out there now, digging up the remains of our that ancestors? Is, that is correct. That is correct. And in fact, like I said, the area used to be swamp. And so every time it rains there, the water just um, piles up into a huge lake. And instead of them um, addressing the issue, of course, that what they do is they take the easy way out. They're taking this pump of water onto other people's property. And that water ends up finding its way down to a creek that feeds into the Potomac River. So they're out there polluting the Potomac River, and the county officials are doing nothing about it. And they've been doing this now for years. As they have dug the hole, they keep pumping the water out over and towards the creek. 
so that the water just goes into the Potomac. So you have many about people today fishing out of the Potomac in polluted water. And you got this this super who is adding on to the pollution. And you got the county officials doing nothing about it. So we need to really pay attention. If people want to know where that graveyard is, as you go down about a mile and a half before you get to the district line on River Road, you'll see a McDonald's. Pull into that McDonald's parking lot, and right in the back of their parking lot, you will see the fencing that uh, is fencing around the property that they're digging this hole in. And, and they claim they're building a storage bin, but there's already three existing storage bin companies there in that area within a block and a half. So the bottom line is I believe they're not even trying to build a storage bin. They use that as a pretext because there's been a moratorium on office buildings being built on River Road in that area because of the heavy traffic. And they don't want to add on to the traffic jams. I believe what they're doing is they got this piece of land, claim to put in a storage bin, and then step back and say, because of all of our hearts we have, uh, we need to be able to recover our money. And so we want to have an exception to the ban on building an office building and part of the desert. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, let me ask you this, because uh, somebody mentioned, uh, uh, I think it was Smitty out of Baltimore, the mayor, the governor, I should say. Uh, has anybody contacted? I mean, he, he's uh, he's around. I saw him at, uh, the pictures of him at, at the ball game uh, on on Sunday. You know, at the at tailgating, drinking beer, and having fun. Has anybody asked him about what's going on in the cemetery? Does anybody know? Any of you guys know? He's been approached because yes. uh, we we don't try to. We have no stone that we haven't tried to turn and trying to get them to change what they're doing over there and to respect the human bodies that have been buried in that cemetery. But, again, he's a person that, that's got this big smile as he continues to serve the interests of these large developers in the state of Maryland because, after all, they pay towards his campaign. And this is really one of the really unfortunate things about many of our black politicians they're not representing our community. They're representing the businesses that are robbing our community. So, so Carl, let me let me also throw this in there, and 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 we can elaborate a little more on it. This is important. Uh, during the day when we went to the Supreme Court of Maryland, which is which is not not normal that you get to the Supreme Court, or you know these state Supreme Courts, but we got there. Uh, our issue, but a little bit before that. <laughs> The very building that sits adjacent to the area Paul just talked about and the parking lot in between it, all of that was cemetery area, had a major electrical fire, and the whole building was evacuated because of the negligence of taking care of that property. Now, that property sits on top of the cemetery and the and, 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 and the uh the, 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 the parking lot sits on top of the cemetery, and it's adjacent to where Paul was just talking about them pumping the water out. 
So we we have all of this stuff going on, and like HOC and all of these po- politicians are not addressing it. Crimes are being committed. Crimes have been committed, and it's right in front of our face. And we have pulled all of the like uh, un- the, turned over all the rocks and turned to going at all the politicians, as Brother Paul has said, and they are still trying to beat us back. But we ain't giving up. We're going to continue to fight. So anyway, I wanted to throw that out there, Paul. All right. Thank you, Senator, for, for mentioning that. Eight after the top there. Dr. Patterson, so far we've talked a lot about about the problems, the issues, the cemetery and the other issues that you mentioned, especially with the jail. That, that's so unfortunate for our young people, teenagers, get caught up in the system. So and my, and my question about the, the, the cemetery was, what's our move next? So my question to you, when it comes to our young people that you saw there in the D.C. Uh, jail, What's our move? How do we reach these young people to honest, to t- tell them and teach them that if they're going down that road, that, that it, it's not going to end uh, real well for them? And, 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 and you know, some of them already know that, but they're consigned to the fact yeah. that, that that's their life. That's what that's their yeah. what, what some, they've been ordained to do. How can we change that, yeah. that thought setting in their minds? Yeah. Yeah. And that's deep when you say they think they've been ordained to do that. You, you got some of them think that I was born. You know, I mean, this is too much TV. You know, but let's go back. You know, I, you know, read Malcolm X's book at 18 years of age in 1970. A year prior to that, a guy handed me the book, and I asked him, does Malcolm X use dope? If he don't, I don't want to read the book. And we was walking down Georgia Avenue to cop some heroin. You know, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, we're dealing with. But I turn around, and I see cats like Paul Pumphreys, you know, in the Black Panther Party, you know, with Jim Williams, who ran the chapter in D.C. with, uh, Malik Edwards and Maurice Lawrence, and these are cats that I saw and looked up to, you know, and I said, wow, these cats are walking through the hood, you know, just, you know, you know, fearless, you know, and helping people and helping old ladies and, you know, protecting the girls, and man, don't be hitting on that. I mean, this was incredible for me to see this kind of activity that's going on. Me and Sengor, me and Sengor walked through the hoods in Southeast, you know, approaching and dealing with folks. So I still do that work today. This is what people don't want to do. They don't want to interact with the individuals who they think that they can't control and who they think they can't get to only because the system has demonized our young people so much, again, through the media, you know, uh, and that the parents have failed because of the drugs and all the other things that they're just attacking us from so many different areas. So what I've decided to do and what we promote is the whole concept of mentorship with and Singo talk about organizing, organizing. So we got to go and organize the youth. How do we do that? We mentor them. We go and we tap them on the shoulder. Hey, young man, what's happening with you? I need you to join me. So far, uh, Paul, we've been able to organize ADF or mentee chapters uh, with acupuncture, you know, around this country. You know, we just trained 15 people uh, in Detroit. We just trained another 15 people in Houston the last two or three months, and we headed to Philly. And uh, Sister Philae uh, 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 with the Million Women's March and Sister Pam and all of them are part of this next training group that we're doing. But we got to get on the grassroots level, and we got to plant the seeds, you know, in these young people, in these young adults also, to get the young adults to go and deal with the 17, 16, you know, 15-year-olders, um, you know, when I walk through that building where those young people are and there's, you know, a little glass window and you see the little heads popping up, 
jumping up just to try to get, they so small, they can't even see out the window in, in the door. So you see this little head just bouncing up, just trying to see people, you know, as you walk past them uh, in the uh, in the community, I mean, in that facility. But as Singor stated, the major thing to do is organize. So we have to put together our own individualized community collective programs. And as Singor said, join all of them together because we work with everybody, you know, in the Washington, D.C. community. As a matter of fact, we got one sister whose uh, daughter was uh, 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 missing for, and Singor knows who I'm talking about, whose daughter was missing. And yes. uh, how do we respond to that once we find the daughter? knowing about the trauma and so forth. So I got a call. Hey, Kakai, I know what your team does. You go around when people are, are kids are shot and murdered. You go and treat the families and you, and you treat the, 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 the mothers and, you know, so forth to deal with the grief and the trauma and introduce them to a whole other concept. Could you go out, you know, and work with this particular family? And we're getting ready to do that, you know. Again, these are the kinds of things that we had in our communities, like back in the day when I met Paul and all the Panthers and all of them, these are the things that we had in our community that were run by us. We need to begin to develop those same things, those same small entities, a little bit at a time. But the major thing is for every black man, and this is what I open up every presentation I do with now, that every black man has to get a youth, has to get a young person, take them under their arm. And if we get 1,000 black men in D.C. to do that, we're just not even putting a dent you know, in the problem. So we've launched that program, 1,000 Mentors Program, and we've been working at that uh, for the last 5, 10, 15 years. Yeah, and I'm happy that you said that because the same situation is probably even worse in Baltimore with the young people. We have to... <laughs> let me say this call. Let me, <laughs> let, me, let me add this call. I just came from Detroit, uh-huh. Houston, Philly, uh, uh, New York, Atlanta, all over the country, and it's the exact same thing. I wake up, wow. two young people shot to death, 14. Now, that's 50 states times two killings a day. We know it's 30 or 40. You know, times well, well, let me ask you this. Can we come up on a break? Because it's interesting you said that. Because, you know, and I, I keep saying this all the time, that the problems we have in your particular area are problems all across the country, probably internationally, too, because we have a lot of yes, listeners in yes, Europe. I, I, when we come back, Carl, I want to chime in on that. Which oh, okay, well, hold, uh, well, let, well, let's talk about that when we get back, folks, because yeah, uh, sure. it's interesting why this happened. Is, is it organized or is it organic? Well, I want to get to yes. your thoughts. And then the, the biggest question, yes. though, is what can we do? Because this is genocide Absolutely. that's happening in our communities. Family, you yes. want to join this conversation? Brother Sengo Baye, Paul Pumphreys, and Dr. Kakaya Patterson, reach out to us at 800 800- 450-7876 at 14 after the top. I'll be back in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, run FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour with our guest, uh, uh, Brother Sengo Baye, Paul Pumphreys, and uh, Dr. Kakaya Patterson with us. And we're discussing the plight of our young people. Let me just say this before they respond, though, because not all our young people are, are involved in that kind of behavior. We have some young people doing really great things. But the problem is they get overshadowed by the ones who, who are acting inappropriately. The ones who are doing well in school, doing great athletics and just in life period they're not involved in any of this degenerate behavior that we see on tv or, or, or with uh, uh, you know handcuffed oh, and behind Carl. bars but Carl. go ahead brother Sengal. 
Yeah, this is, this is important. You mentioned international. We must organize locally, nationally, and internationally. This, is, this, would, this should help wake up some of our brothers and sisters in Africa, all over Africa, but particularly West Africa, in Liberia, in Sierra Leone, in Gambia, in Guinea, etc. There's a new drug on the, on the market called Kush. Kush. Listen, to this, listen to this carefully. I'm going to show you how this connects into what we are doing. This is very important because this drug, Kush, is turning our young brothers and sisters to zombies. Yes. And, li- yes. and listen carefully, everybody. This is very important. Cemeteries in Africa are being raided and robbed, and the bones are being taken out and ground up and mixed with synthetic drugs and smoked by our young people that's causing them to become zombies. This is going on right now. So we think we had the crack epidemic, this Kush epidemic, uh, this Kush thing is super deep. And it connects in, like what Okai is saying, from the cradle to the grave, because they want to remove us. But we know, we know that we're spiritual beings having a physical experience, and we are going to win. However, we're physically being killed because of our apathy not to understand that all of these issues we're talking about are connected. Now, the majority of our youth in the world are in Africa. So they want to do everything they can to minimize those Africans from becoming conscious and being connected to some of the stuff we are doing here in the South and Central America, in South America and around the world, and rising up to those standards that young people that you spoke about that are doing good things. So they want to do everything they can to minimize us gaining power. I call it blacktricity. And that's important for y'all to wake up and understand why this cemetery thing is so important. Because even on the continent, where they robbed us as human beings and brought us here, they are now have various different drug dealers going into grave sites, taking the bones and going back to whoever they're working for, grinding them up, and mixing them with synthetic drugs and turning them back loose on our young people to smoke and creating zombies. Did you hear me? Yeah. Let me just add to that, that we're on the ground over there, single or no. Yeah. One of my yeah. students, one of my graduates from my acupuncture detox process uh, is all, yeah. has already been over there and was invited by uh, the same folks that single is talking about that are doing That's that right. work over there. That's and right. I was on a call uh, with them, explaining to them the work that we were doing uh, here with the acupuncture with Dr. Matulu Shakur and the African Oldest Health Association and the now ADS Collective, which is the official training arm uh, for Banner, the Black Acupuncturist Advisory Association of North America that Dr. Matulu Shakur started in 1979 that we've reinstated. He was there representing us. He was there walking through the village, walking through the community. The community was surprised. They said, you're not scared to walk through here? He better not be scared to be part of my crew. You know, and he was up in there in the community treating young people. They fell in love with him, and he's been training folk initially, and we're setting up to go back through those brothers and send going everybody else to continue the process. But this is what has to be done. It's got to be on a grassroots level. We cannot be scared. Uh, of our young people. We've got to be able to go to them. Uh, They are waiting for us. They need hugs, love. 
Right. And let me ask yeah. Brother Sengo, how widespread is this this new drug that's going around, this new dope that oh, our young it, people are smoking? It's, it's, it's as widespread as crack was over here, bro. It's yeah. big time. Let me, yes, let, me explain, let me say what Kokaya just said is important. That's why the UNIA is working hard to educate our people about solutions. There are solutions to these issues. A lot yes. of these young people don't want to be addicted. They don't want to be zombies, but they have no alternative on a positive and, except for except for what Kokaya is talking about and various different other health practitioners, and we're dealing with it. I brought it up so that our brothers and sisters here can understand and understand that we're under attack everywhere we are. Everywhere. I want us to understand, and that's why it's critical for us to understand why the Moses Cemetery issue is critical and why health and wellness <laughs> is critical. Education is critical, and us to stop playing around and understand that not all global genocide is taking place right in front of us, but right, we can yeah. change that. But we can all right, Paul. I, I know Paul wants to say something, brother Zankar. Paul, Paul, go ahead. Sure. Yeah, a couple of things. One, we're constantly being lied to about Africa, about the Caribbean. I'll yeah. give you a good example. Every time a news reporter on radio or TV mentioned the word Haiti, they followed that word by saying it is the poorest country in this hemisphere, and that's a straight-up lie. That is a straight-up lie. A friend of mine sent me a a, uh, WhatsApp video, which he was talking to Alexa, and he asked questions about Haiti. And I encourage people who have Alexa, ask this question. How much gas reserves are in Haiti? You know what Alexa said? It's over a trillion dollars worth of natural gas. They asked them about oil. It says Haiti is one of the largest deposits of oil in the world. Mm -hmm. So so they tell us Places are poor so that when we see the U.S. military going down into these countries, that we're thinking they're there to help. No, they're there to help, all right, to help rob these countries. When you That's look right. at Africa, there's, you can't find a country in Africa that doesn't have a tremendous amount of natural resources. That's right. In the news this summer, we talked about Niger. Niger has yellow cake uranium. Okay, wow. the most expensive uranium in the world. France was taking uranium out of Niger, paying them 83 cents per kilo, and then selling it on the world market for $200 a kilo. Mm. Wow, and, and the latest is that uh, Kenya, brothers, Kenya's discovered they've got a, a mother load of coltan, and you know coltan is used to, oh, uh, yes. for batteries. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, a co- yeah. I'm a co-founder of Friends of the Congo. I can tell you about Kotan because the Congo has the largest deposit of Kotan in the world. Mm. And yet they give us the image that the Congo is supposed to be poor. When you do the research, you find out the Congo has over $22 trillion worth of minerals. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Right. And, and as far as coal tans, you can't make batteries without coal tan. Well, if you've yeah, got a right, cell phone... a whole lot of stuff oh, that can't. Yeah. Cobalt, cobalt, cobalt is what the batteries are. 
Coltan is for the electronics. Right. Coltan allows electronics to be made where it will not overheat. If people remember mm-hmm. back in the old days, you had a TV, you had a huge box for That's your right. TV because <laughs> the electronic components had to cool off. It's hot. When you yeah. ha- when you had even phones, the same thing happened. That's right. You had it where right. you had to have, uh, when they first had computers, the same thing happened. You had to have computers for the tower to have a fan to cool off the electronic components. Now you got a laptop that you can hold in your hand. You don't need all that space to cool off the electronic components, and Cotan is the reason by that. That's right there. But Cobalt is used for the batteries. This well, is well let me jump in and ask this question, though, brothers. How can, how can we help the African continent? Because so, what they have the minerals, but they don't have the expertise, the mechanism to, to make the end product. Uh, uh, call, so, call. Excellent yeah. point. Excellent point. Because no, call, I would say, <laughs> if I may sing off, that's all right, go ahead, our, young black, our, young, our young black men and women that are going into college need to look at what are they going to study. Because, in my opinion, they need to learn how to study geology. They need to understand how to study metals. They need to understand how to do it. Because once you process these raw materials, you've multiplied the value of the raw materials. If the Congo was able to process its natural resources, its minerals, it would be a country worth something like 200 to $300 trillion dollars. It would be considered the richest country in the world. We need to be, you know, this idea of people wanting to go there and learn how to work in a stock market. Stock market doesn't generate any money. All they do is 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 uh, manipulate the market. My so, point is, we need to have our young people look at jobs that will, in fact, be able to help Africa, the Caribbean, Central America, the whole diaspora, to move into the modern world. And I only say this to look at one good example. Look at what China did from 1971 to today. In 1971, China was considered one of the poorest economies in the world. Today, it's knocking on the door to pass the United States. Why? Because China took advantage of when Europe and the United States came in and asked could they set up their factories to take advantage of the cheap labor. They took the money they made off of that and sent their best students to the best universities around the world. Because That's China right. wasn't about to be just so, making something for someone so, else. They wanted to have people there that learn how to advance that technology themselves. So, and that's so, what's so, happening. So. Let me chime in here. Let me chime in here, Carl, because you, you mentioned something, Carl, that's very important, solution. And I don't have a lot of time to really break it up, but I'm going to give you an idea. Solar power, 3D printing, vertical farming, and more. Many of our – we just did a program yesterday with Brother Ken Eccles and Brother Putu and Brother Sam and myself. And we're talking about solutions that, like what Brother Paul just said, we need to provide a way to educate our brothers and sisters worldwide on how they can address these issues. In vertical farming, you need no soil. You hear me? In vertical farming, you need no soil. But the nutrients that are in the soil, you utilize. You can also do 3D printing. You can build homes, automobiles, solar lights, everything through 3D printing. This technology is in our community, 
And we are working to go to our homeland and address those issues by utilizing this technology. I, I, like I said, the show does not, we don't have enough time to get into details, but if you reach out to us, I can connect you to brothers and sisters that are doing just like what Brother Kokai and Brother Paul are saying. We long distance runners call, but there are many brothers and sisters in our community who have solutions and are ready to manifest those solutions. But it is critical for us to close ranks so that you know about each other, because a lot of people don't know what I'm sharing. But some are coming into the know, and we need to stop expecting the oppressor to do anything for us because you can see he's, uh, Yorugu is attempting to kill us. We need to do it for our own selves. Right. And hold that thought right there, Brother Sengor. We've got to take another short break. I'll let you finish your response on the other side. And Charles in Baltimore has a question for you. 26 minutes away from the top of the hour family. If you want to join this conversation, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, you're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour, Brother Senghor Baye, Paul Pumphrey, and Dr. Kakai Patterson discussing some of the issues in, in our community and across the globe, too. Our community is global, as you know. We'll start off by discussing the fight to save a black cemetery in Bethesda, Maryland. Before we go, we're going to give you all the information how you can help the folks who are doing that fight or leading the struggle, if you will. Later this morning, you're going to hear from futuristic researcher Sadiqa Bakari. He's going to update us on the latest AI, artificial intelligence developments. And later this week, Chairman Fred Hampton is going to join us along with uh, reparations advocate Cam Howard and also Neely Fuller Jr. will be here. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in real tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, you're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, Brother Sango, I'm going to let you finish your thought. Well, I don't want to go too much further because I want to allow time for Paul and Kokai to stay on topic, but I just wanted to let people know that as we close ranks, we will find out many different great things going on, and it is critical that we provide the positive to eradicate the negative. And so as we close ranks, people will begin to learn from one another of the great programs and projects and technological uh, uh, ways and means that we have at our disposal to be about providing solutions. And, and we, we're talking a lot about a lot of the problems, but we also are bringing ways and means for solutions. Brother Paul mentioned Haiti. That is very, very important that we know the true history about that because we've been hoodwinked. We've been told lies. But anyway, I don't want to take too much more time. We only got about 15 more minutes, Carl. And uh, since we have Brother Paul and we have Brother Kokaya, I'd like for them, particularly Paul, to close out on the cemetery and then Kokaya to talk a little bit about health and wellness. You know, uh, it's not about me, he or she. It's about we collectivity. And we should do this 24-7 all throughout the year, not just during Kwanzaa. But I'll stop on that point. Because you got you got a lot of loaded loaded brothers here, <laughs> right? All right, let's start with Paul then. At eighteen away from the top, yeah, Paul, I'll let you uh, give us the update on the cemetery. Yes, the struggle still continues, and in fact, we are looking for as much support as possible, and that is in being able to get in touch with those living in Montgomery County, getting in touch with the county officials, the county exec, the, the uh, county council. And ask them, why is it that they are disrespecting 
uh, African American graveyards in Bethesda. And mm-hmm. this is an election year, and this is important. This is an election year. We need to remind them that if they're not willing to support us, we're not willing to support them. And that's as simple as that. Uh, and, right, and, and also the folks who have the governor's ear as well. There's folks who talk to him on a regular. You know, put this question before him. All these politicians know that, in fact, if they want our support, then they need to support things we find is important in our own community. And this one is clearly one of them. And I'll right. leave over to uh, Kokai. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Kokai? Yes, I'm here. Thank you so much. I... Um, in looking at the health conditions that exist in our community, I'm 71 years of age, uh, and I've seen things change over that period of time. I've watched the floods of substance abuse decade after decade after decade after decade. And here now with fentanyl and this Kush, you know, where we're losing over 100,000 uh, people a year in 2022. We're waiting to see what's added up for 2023, and we know the majority of those are people of color. Uh, The medical institutions and the processes uh, of service in our community has not changed. Uh, Everything now is being addressed uh, as it has been uh, based on the concept of a medically oriented society, a medical oriented society. We're talking a drug oriented society. So any issue uh, that uh, is addressed. When I was coming up, they would approach you with drugs. More so now, they have vaccines for everything. When I heard about the eczema vaccine, I said, oh, my God, you mean I can take some neem oil and put it on my arm or get a vaccine for this? So the concept that medicine can cure all is there. Uh, the uh, educational concepts uh, that permeate within our institutions only promote what we were taught back in the 70s promotes and develops individuals that can fit right into the system. So that same process is still going on today. Uh, Fier talked about it in the pedagogy uh, of the oppressed. We can go back and and read. We read that book back in the 70s, and we can see uh, what's going on now. Uh, The dietary issues in our community. So as we talk about drugs and those problems now, in my conversations, in my trainings, I have to include food, you know, and the drug-induced kind of products uh, that they have in our community that are destroying the minds of our young people. Lastly, the mental health piece. The mental health piece in terms of how we need to approach it, we need to approach it, you know, um, from that same perspective and philosophy and concepts that our queen mother, Dr. Frances Welsing, uh, gave to us. We need to look at those things, but we need to understand that the behavior of these young people uh, is coming from the induction of false hope. It's coming from the misinformation of who you are. Uh, it's coming from the misdirection uh, that they're giving to our young people all by design. And Dr. Welsing would tell the parents that it's not your child that's having a problem because they don't want to sit still in the class. It's what they're teaching him. The stuff that, they, that they're teaching that child does not excite them, does not go along with their spirit. My mama, when we were coming up back in the days, she would talk about kids' spirit. That little boy's spirit wasn't no 
psychic thing or his psychological. No, it's about that kid's spirit. He was negative, positive, hyper, you know, happy kid, so forth and so on. So we have to educate our young people about mental health, which goes back to culture. In Chancellor Williams' book, there's a chapter, Early Education, that it was that it was a, a part uh, of our collective responsibility to grab young people at 10, 11, 12, 13 young girls and take them off and train them uh, about life, to talk to them uh, and raise them up where they can address, uh, you know, their feelings and their emotions as it relates to their reactions, you know, to their environment, you know. Uh, but these are not the things that young people are getting today. So when I go and talk to a young person, this young person's grandmother and mother are school dropouts, crackheads, PCP heads. This is the generational effect that I'm running into. And I'm not talking about the good kids that you were talking about, Carl. And I'm not talking about all of my young brothers and sisters that are working with us, that are going to school, and so forth and so on. We have a large majority of young people who are just lost in the community and wreaking havoc. Uh, in our community with automatic weapons. We're talking AK-47s and 9 millimeters and things of this nature in the hands of 14-year-olds across the country. So if the black men don't get up off our butts, you know, and go out and tap these young black men on the shoulder and stop being chumps out here, I'm calling you brothers out. We've got to get out here and do the work that we need to do with these young men uh, and young ladies in our community. I'm watching 16- and 17-year-old girls get caught up with these guys, and they get gunned down, you know, like they were gangster uh, malls from the 1920s, you know, Bonnie and Clyde type stuff. You know, so this is the orientation that our young people have been receiving. Hardcore call for the last 20 to 30 years, and I've observed it, and I've seen how well the media has been able to orchestrate you know, what they've been able to feed into our community and our community pick it up and they give them the materials in which yes. to carry it out, the guns. And, and you know what? I'm glad that you said that because, you know, a lot of times we, we sit around and wait for somebody else to solve our problems. These are our problems. We have to solve them. The other folks don't care. In yep. fact, they started the problem, and, and they love you when right. we, we're taking each other out. As long as we, we're at, yeah. we have our eyes on each other, we don't have our eyes on them. So I'm glad that you mentioned that, Dr. Patterson. So the, the problem, the sol- uh, solving of the problems has to come from us. So we have to reach yes. our young people. Yes, yes, y'all right. You're definitely right. And we don't manufacture the guns, and we don't manufacture the drugs. But the, those that manufacture the guns and manufacture the drugs drop them in our community. And we have to educate our young brothers and sisters why that is being done is to destroy us. And as Brother Kokaya so clearly articulated, we can change that and stop being afraid of our youth and step to our youth and give them love, That's right. direction, guidance. But we also right. have to hold the system accountable because who's bringing the guns in? We we ain't bringing the guns in. We ain't bringing the drugs in. We ain't creating these pharmaceutical drugs. So it's being done deliberately. As Brother Kokai said, we grew up in the street. I grew up in the streets of Washington, D.C., okay? And I I had the same, it was rough. I had the same issues coming up, but they were a little different. Now we talk about this AI, this artificial intelligence. I say to hell with that. We need to deal with ancestral intelligence. 
You know, one of the things to add to that single <laughs> is this whole issue, you know, around our women. I'm, you know, I'm just going to yeah. say this in real quick and get out. Our women, you know, the way that black men are abusing and beating and raping yeah. and murdering yeah. our young black girls and yeah. young women and adult women. It is, it is, man, look, these brothers need to stop this business. Two weeks ago, I was at a women and children's program where, where me and my young ladies go and we work with our game. We go into the hood over in Southeast and it's a program with six young ladies. All of them got young uh, boyfriends in jail. Either they were murdered. You know, we're leaving the program one day and I'm just sitting there talking to a new young lady pregnant. You know, how do you do? I'm 17. I said, okay, you want to try some of this acupuncture so we can help you? No, that's okay. I don't, I don't want it. All the other girls were getting it. All the babies were getting it, you know. And we are packing to leave, and three of them run back in. Help, help, help. Uh, it's a guy out there uh, beating up. We run outside, and this guy is beating up the pregnant young girl that I was just talking to. So me and the brothers run out. We rolling up on the dude. He goes in his waistband to pull out a gun. And I say, hold, step back, brother. And we get behind the walls. And I'm still trying to creep up on this dude because he's got the girl by her neck, dragging her down the street, cars rolling by, nobody stopping. The female director runs out. She runs up on the dude. And I grab her, pull her back. Eventually, they go down two, three blocks away. He's constantly beating on her. We get there. And one of the sisters, the same sister whose baby they're trying to take from her that I talked about early walks right through the crowd, grabs the sister and says, brother, you're not going to do nothing. I say, sister, if you don't get out there, that nigga got a gun. You know, she grabs the girl and walks away and the dude ran down the street. These are the kinds of situations that we're dealing with <laughs> multiple times in a day, in one neighborhood, in one community around the country. That's how infested this negative behavior has become in our community, and we have to be the exterminators to go in with our uh, 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 tools and equipment, meaning education, love, engagement. The major thing is love. major thing is love and engagement, engagement, engagement. Hi, how you doing, young man? Let me talk to you. If that's not done, we're going to lose even worse, and it'll get worse as we move forward in the future. Wow. Hold that thought right there. we got to take a quick break, six minutes away from the top of the hour. But I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where all this behavior is coming from. Where was it learned? Who taught yeah. them? Who taught you to hate you, yeah. each, each other? Who taught you to hate yourself? Yeah. You know, that's the, the boob, question. Yeah. My question. The boob tube and videos. The boob tube and videos. <laughs> all right. I'll let you guys respond when we come back from the break. As I mentioned, it's six away from the top there. We're back in four minutes, though, family, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. And good morning once again, family. Made it out to the top there. I'm momentarily speaking with a futuristic researcher, Brother Sadiqa Bakar. We're right now with Brother Sengo Baye, Paul Pumphrey, and Dr. Kakaya Patterson, who are closing out with this panel. And my question before we left for the break, Don, I want to hear from all three of you. Who taught us to hate each other? Who taught you to hate your black mother, your black sister, your black brother? So uh, start with Dr. Patterson first. Dr. Patterson, who, why, why is there so much hate? Because the story you told us was just horrendous. Is Dr. Patterson there? 
All right, let's go. Let's go to Paul Pumphrey then. Paul, your thoughts. Not hearing Paul either. <laughs> let's, let's try Brother Singo. You must have dropped your calls. You I'm here. Me? I'm here. I'm here. Okay, well, go ahead, Paul. We're taught every time we watch TV, because in fact the images they put on TV about the black community often are not very positive images. We're talking about the way we watch some of the movies and the kind of movies that they put out, even some of the rap videos that are put out. We're taught how to not like ourselves, how to not to love ourselves, how to not to even believe that Africa is worth being proud of. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to begin to do is to do the re-education, help our brothers and sisters to the truth. Like I said, people are told every time they mention the word Haiti that it's the poorest country in this hemisphere. Well, if it's the poorest country, who wants to align himself with a poor country? But in fact, it is one of the richest countries. And I'll give you another important fact. United States in 2008 built its fourth largest embassy in the world in Haiti. I want you to understand about that. The embassy the U.S. has in Haiti is bigger than one they have in Canada. Bigger than the one they have in Paris and France, bigger than the one they have in Berlin, Germany, bigger than the one they have in London. If Haiti's so poor, why would they spend $200 million of our tax dollars to build an embassy in Haiti? And it's because the U.S. government is running the government of Haiti. Mm. That's, That's why. interesting. Right. And we press with time, but thank you for sharing that with us, Paul. I want to get Senghor's version of why there's so much self-hate. Brother Senghor? Yeah, Paul hit hit it right on the point. It's it's the lack of knowledge of self, the lack of knowledge of how powerful you are, the fact that you think that this physical life is it and don't understand a spiritual life hereafter. It's a whole lot of issues, but I also want to say all of these video games, all of these games that are not really games, they're designed to wipe out your brain and to take you into a negative side opposed to a positive side. And consequently, you become violent. You become violent. And that we live in a violent society. Everything is violence, violence, violence. That's pushed at them, television, movies, etc. So we need to be able to reverse that, just like shows like this. We need to be able to speak truth to power, and we we need to also know how to protect those young brothers and sisters out here that ain't been hoodwinked or ain't been programmed. And then, like I told you, they zombifying brothers and sisters. So they want to take us to the Frankenstein mentality. They want us walking dead. So we need to wake up and just find ourselves, our true selves, get connected to our American yeah. culture, and move forward. All right. Dr. Patterson? Yeah, I um, I concur uh, with my elder uh, brother Pumphreys and my big brother uh, Tengor. I definitely concur. Uh, and in particular, uh, the desensitization within that process. It's just, you know, we're just talking about all the different components and we're putting the picture together. Uh, but the media, again, the video games, the movies, etc. Uh, I set up one day and watched uh, TV, and uh, I saw all the black movies, which are always some violence in there. So now young people are numb to pulling a trigger and blowing somebody's head off because the video games have mm-hmm. that in there. 
they're numb to rape because car theft auto, whatever that thing is, when it first came out, it's seen and then they're raping women, you know, in the video game. All of the TV, <laughs> excuse me, all of the TV shows uh, that they have out there do nothing but propagate the importance of having a gun, being able to shoot, being able to kill, being able to not steal, you know, being able to shoot a woman. These are the images that our young people are constantly watching today. Yeah, and, and the sad fact is that many of them don't know who they are. You know, so they're being pervious to what those kind of signals when they reach them. That's why people could come in and tell you that you're a, an ADOS or you're a fundamental American, <laughs> some craziness yeah. like that, because yeah. you don't know yeah. who you are. And they, they take advantage that you don't know who you are. If you knew who you are, those things right. wouldn't appeal to you in the first place. But let me yeah. get off my soapbox, because we got Brother Siddiqui on deck. How can folks reach you guys? Well, real quickly, they can always hit me up, and I can direct you to all these institutions that I mentioned earlier. That's S-E-N-G-H-O-R-B at Hotmail.com. I'm also single or by on Facebook. And you can also, uh, even though uh, we just took it down to put some more stuff up, but you can go to the website, U-N-I-A-A-C-L-R-C-2020.com. So write that down, U-N-I-A-A-C-L. RC2020.com. And that's single B at hotmail.com. And if you want to text me, don't call me. Text me at 202 256 2518. All right. Uh, Paul? Uh, Yeah, for me, uh, you want to get banner B triple A N A B A A N A. Dot com. That's the Black Acupuncturist Advisory Association of North America. Then you want to go to the ADScollective.org. And lastly, hashtag street code. We put out a street code call that tells people how to behave in the street. Again, coming from uh, Matumi Shakur and Tupac writing the code for thug life. He asked me to rewrite it a couple of years ago. Send going them have it. We're putting it out all over the country. I'll send a copy to you. All right. And Paul? Yes. I'm also co-founder of Friends of the Congo. And you can go to our website, which is friendsofthecongo.org.org. You can reach me also at paul at friendsofthecongo.org. And, again, I want to thank you so very much for allowing us to share this information this morning. All right. And thank you for the, all the information you laid on us this morning, fellas, because uh, if we don't talk about it, nobody else will. We'll just keep on going in circles. But I'm glad that you guys see the light and you're leading the way for us to get out of this, this uh, treadmill that many of our people are on. So, again, I just want to thank all three of you. Thank, yeah, thank you, Paul. You, Paul. Thank, thank you, right. Paul. Thank you, Kokaya. Thank you, thank you, Carl. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. I love all y'all. All right. Seven after the top there with Brother Singo Baye, Paul Pumphreys, and Dr. Kokaya Patterson. Man, we've got some issues that were in there. The brothers are really laying out some of the problems in our community and what we can do about them. Having said that, though, let's welcome uh, Brother Siddiqui Bakari to the program. Good morning, Brother Siddiqui. Greetings. How are you doing, brother? Excellent. Uh, happy New Year. I think it's the first time we've, we've spoken since the start of the year. Happy New Year. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Same to you. You know, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence, AI, and, you know, some people think that somehow they're not involved in AI. Artificial intelligence, about everything now is involved in artificial intelligence. But this article that I saw, and I sent you a copy of the article, the article says, why are so many robots white? 
Can you explain this about what are they doing when all these robots, if we see, you don't see any black robots, <laughs> why not? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, so now social scientists seem to be interested in this notion of race. When I say social scientists, I'm not talking about primarily us. I'm referring to um, the system itself and its representatives. So when we talk about this notion of race with robots, first first we have to put some things in perspective. Um, we always have to look at the pathology of things um, and how things have been done from a repetitious manner, first and foremost, historically. So when we look at this notion of quote-unquote God, what color is God, <laughs> according to their pantheon, is white. When we look at um, the notion of, let's use Jesus for an example. The color of Jesus is white in their pantheon. When we look at the notion of, or the reality of, let's look at media. How come we don't talk about media and who runs those corporations? There's this this notion of diversity does not exist. Um, when we talk about the educational system and who runs the educational system, this notion of diversity, so-called diversity, does not exist. Um, because they kept using that word in the article, diversity. <laughs> so when we look at the, the so-called uh, power structure from the standpoint of when we look at the United States of America, the corporation itself, um, we don't see this diversity in these uh, higher aspects of the corporations and what supposedly keeps America, the United States, running. So these are questions we have to ask ourselves, because when we look at the edification and deification of something great in American culture, um, it looks it doesn't look like us based on American culture. So that's important. So why would robots, androids, cyborgs, why would <laughs> they look like us? Now, let's let's deal with a deeper aspect of it. However, all those things are based off of us. So it goes back to who's shaping in images. Now, as far as that, it's just the notion of uh it's just a notion of of keeping people in the race program, first and foremost. So those are things that we have to be very aware of when we deal with um, the quote-unquote, the color <laughs> of robots and how it affects imaging, how it affects children, how it affects the interfacing that children will have um, ultimately with these so-called uh, cyborgs, androids, and robots. Well, you know, so, so is the answer that we need to build our own then that reflect our, our, you know, reflect us in these games and the, or wherever these these techniques? Well, the first thing we need to do is know who the hell we are. That's first and foremost. Know our own power. Um, know our own ability. Stop thinking that 
there is no future without AI technology and robots and all these other things and overstanding. All of those things are predicated off of us and what we've always done and always been doing. The more we get into AI and technology, the more we begin to limit our own power from a spiritual perspective, the more we uh, take away from our soul, our consciousness, our awareness, and so on and so forth, because we have to understand we are the power that keeps AI and technology running, moving, augmenting, and doing all the things that's necessary. This is why I've always said from the start, we are the original archetypal primordial binary code, algorithm, computation, as well as nature, as well as the universe. All right, we've come up on a break, but i got to ask you this question. Can we use AI then to help us, to benefit us, to, to move our product further down the line, mm-hmm. enlighten our people, like the, the brothers that we had on before? Can they use AI to reach some of these young people who are going astray? I want to get your mm-hmm. thoughts on that. When we come up on a break, I'll let you ex- expand that. Family, you want to join okay. this conversation with our guest? He's a futuristic researcher. His name is Brother Sadiqa Bakari. He gets us up to date on all the AI, artificial intelligence developments. Right now, we're discussing about why the, most of the robots are using AI are white. You know, why don't they look like us? So my question is, uh, how can we use AI, artificial intelligence, to, to push our culture, to solve some of the problems in our community? What are your thoughts? You want to join this conversation? Reach out to us at 800 450 7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. Our guest is futuristic researcher, Brother Sadiqa Bakari. And we're talking about AI, artificial intelligence. That's what he does, and he breaks it down for us. For those of us who are not familiar with the term and all the tangents involved in artificial intelligence. And my question to him before we left for the break was the fact is artificial intelligence is used against us. So the brothers in the panel prior to uh, uh, to uh, Brother Siddiqui mentioned that they, that's how, that's you know, causes self-hate, some of the issues that we have. How can we turn that around, Brother Siddiqui? Can we use AI, artificial intelligence, to solve some of the issues in our communities? Well, of course we can. But first and foremost, we don't lead with AI and technology unless it's the technology of ourselves. Right. That's the original algorithm. So first we have to tap into that, which is imagination, intuition, all of the things that have always made us great. All right. So that's first and foremost. It doesn't start with AI and technology. That's the extension of who and what we are as divine beings. Um, That's imperative. When we deal with particular issues that um, we attribute as far as AI being able to assist us with those things. The problem is we look at things from a psychopathic perspective. Um, There's a psychosis that exists. We look at things the way American culture has programmed us and uh, um, conditioned us to look at things. So until we have a restructuring of the subconscious mind, the central nervous system, our neurological self, how we think in general. There has to be a changing from a standpoint of our um, psychological self. 
All right. That's first and foremost, because that's repetition. That's pathology. That's habitual. That's behavior. So it starts there first. So before we can start, you know, doing all of these different things and um, have the solutions, which are obviously great and phenomenal. That's what I do every day is deal with solutions, assist people every day in transforming themselves. Um, first, there has to be the um, change in mindset. That's first and foremost, mindset, mindset. We we seem to blow past dealing with mindset and dealing with healing and dealing with the things that we're dealing with every day because it's consistent every day. So until we change those things that are consistent every day, that's from a behavioral pathological standpoint, that's making it worse every day. Um, the technology won't matter. The technology will just be another tool that's used against us as opposed to us using that tool for us. And let me jump in here and ask you this question. It's 23 after the top there. You're talking about the restructuring of the black mind. What do we need to do? What's the first step we have to restructure that black mind? Well, the first thing we have to do is realize that there is a problem with the black mind. That's first and foremost. First thing we have to do is realize that there is a serious problem and challenge with American culture and all that comes with American culture. Um, that's first and foremost. For, we have to start looking at divinity and greatness in the image of ourselves, especially in regards to our children. Your children should see you as this this great divine being. Your children should see you as that. <laughs> so these are things that have to change. Your children should also know that they are exactly that. So these are things that have to take place. A spiritual awakening needs to take place. And when I say a spiritual awakening, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a spiritual awakening. These things have to take place. Um, there's particular things that we can do on a daily basis that will assist, um, depending on the person, exactly what that is. Depends on the person. However, there's healing. There's there's fear that needs to be dealt with. There's trauma that needs to be dealt with. All of these things need to be dealt with first and foremost. We are at square one. Period. All right. So, what do we need? What's the first step that we have to take? Because many of us are out there concerned. We'll probably want to, you know, get our minds restructured, as you said. We got to change the mindset, especially for many of our young people. So, what? What's the first step that we have to do, Brother Siddiqui? Well, admittance. That's number one. We have to admit. And the reason I'm saying this, and I'm keeping it very simple. And the reason I'm keeping it simple is because oftentimes people want all this deep knowledge. The deep knowledge doesn't matter if you can't apply it. All right. So I, I, I make sure that I keep things very simple. So admitting something as far as things that we need to, uh, we need to do better for ourselves, um, consistency, discipline, focus. Those are three things that people definitely need to work on being consistent, being disciplined, being focused. I'm not talking about for white people or for the system. I'm talking about for yourself. That's what I mean when I say consistency, discipline, focus. If we can work eight, 10, 11 hours a day for someone else, 
Um, you can put some time during the day specifically for your own empowerment, your transformation, your ascension, your dreams, your goals, and so on and so forth. So that's what I mean when I say that. Accountability. Accountability. This is very important because what we tend to do is we continue to hear or see people pointing the finger, pointing the finger, pointing the finger. But at the end of the day, no one cut that TV on for you. At the end of the day, no one cut on the the uh, have you on the digital phone every day, right? So these are systems and traps that exist for you to immerse yourself in those systems and traps, all right? That's primarily what's happening with AI, social media, all these different things. I'm not saying those things are not things that you should use on a daily basis to assist you. What I'm saying is use it to assist you as opposed to it primarily, you know, taking up your time and taking you away from the things that's most important, taking you away from creation, taking you away from manifestation, taking you away from abundance, taking you away from all these different things. So mindset is key. Mindset assists us with all these different things. And I'm keeping it very simple. Again, I mentioned subconscious mind. Subconscious mind has everything to do with how a person thinks. All right. How a person thinks has everything to do with how a person talks, how a person talks have everything to do with what a person will do from an action oriented. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Oh, you know, we uh, talked about this. You know, we have a panel prior before you got on at 28 after the top AR. But when, when the people come to see you, do they know that they are participating in self-hate? Do they know what they don't know? They, are they so far uh, so far in, uh, down in that closed-minded area that it's difficult to pull them out of that? Well, it, 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 <laughs> it depends on the person, right? So we have a myriad of, of things that we're dealing with as a people. It's tons of programs that are running simultaneously. So the question is, which particular program primarily um, is a person immersed into? All right. This is why I mentioned the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is where we begin to deprogram and reprogram a person. So when I say subconscious mind, that also means central nervous system because they are connected. Also the neurological self because it's all connected. All right. So there's a process that has to take place um, in order for a person to begin to truly start thinking um, within their own mind as opposed to, you know, their mind being programmed by um, someone else and systems and symbols and signs and images and all these other um, aspects of programming that exist. But do, once they're going through it, you and I have probably figured it out, and some other people have figured it out as well who are listening to us. Many of them have figured it out. They're just listening for a reaffirmation of what's going on. But the folks who are still in the sunken place, they don't know they're in that sunken place. How do we awaken them? I guess that's my question. Yeah. How do we awaken them? Some of them know. <laughs> and secondly, we can't. They have to. So they have to make a decision. However, they get to that decision, because there's many different um, experiences or situations that sparks that for that person. 
but that person has to go through that process. Um, Carl, we can all look back and we we can think of a particular experience or whatever it was that that took us to that next level, so to speak, or that decision that had us picking up a certain book or that decision that told us, you know what, it's time for me to change some things about myself, right? So we've all been through that process. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. We've all been, that pro, that has to happen. A person has to admit that to him or herself in order for anyone to be able to assist that person or that person and person attempting to help them will just be banging their head against the wall. So this is why I always say, don't contact me unless you're ready. That's why I always say that. I'll extend the, the hand or the arm back, but I'm not waiting. We don't have time to wait. War has been declared. So when I talk about the mind, I always state there is a war on and for your mind. That war has been declared. So we have to take our minds back. Specifically, what I do is assist people to take their minds back, to create new pathology, because it's all about pathology. What is it that you do the most? What is it that you say the most? What is it that you think the most? Those are all programs. And let me jump in here, 29 away from the top here. Dr. Fox talks about this a lot, uh, what you're talking about, Brother Siddiqui, people who are still in the sunken place. Uh, you, many of them always are seeking white validation. You know, they want to be mm-hmm. validated by white folks. They feel if if they don't have a white person here or if it's too black, you know, the white man's eyes is cold. So we've got to have the white person in here. We've got to have a white mm-hmm. version, you know. And and they they think they're they're on something. They think they're, they're, they're actually better than the rest of us because we're not seeking white validation. We don't need white people to validate us whatever we do in any aspect of life but they feel if they're you know if they're a doctor lawyer whatever a baker a book you know as long as a white person loves it or likes them they feel they've made it how do we reach those kind of people again it's going to be something that they have to see or experience within themselves or even externally there has to be some type of event. They have to figure it out for themselves. We can't figure it out for them. But you mentioned um, <laughs> white edification and white deification. Well, even with AI and technology, who said the AI revolution is here? White people. Who said the AI gold rush is here? White people. Who said if you're not using AI, you'll get left behind? White people. Who said AI is the future? White people. Who said how to get smarter on AI? White people. Who said chat GPT is the solution? White people. Who said AI is changing everything? White people. See, I'm using these examples for everyone to understand. Chat GPT is taking over the internet. Who said that? White people. See, we follow them and don't have a clue that we're following them based off of programming and based off of the type of narratives that they create in order to control your mind and how you move on a daily basis. So now people think that AI is actually smarter than humans when AI doesn't exist without humans and human programming. All right, hold that thought right there. I'll let you dig down in that when we get back. We're going to take a quick break here at 26 minutes away from the top of the hour. Family, you want to join the conversation? Brother Siddiqui, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here. 
in Baltimore on 1010 WLB. If you're in the DMV, you're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. Futuristic researcher, Brother Siddiqui Bakari, breaking down what's going on with our AI, artificial intelligence. We're hearing people talking about it, and my question to him that we started our conversation, how can we use it to help us, to benefit us? How can we take advantage of what it has to offer? Before we go back to that, let me just remind you that later this week, we're going to speak with Chairman Fred Hampton. Chairman Fred just back, well, back earlier last earlier this month from Africa. There's a conference, a Pan-African conference that was canceled there. We're going to hear about that. Also, Reparations Advocate Cam Howard will join us, and Hilly Fuller Jr. will also be here. So, if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radar's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, you're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. So, Brother Siddiqui, my question, how can we use this to take it, to take advice? Because all of us at one point were asleep. You know, some of us are at some degree of being asleep or addicted to white, as, as Dr. Fox would say. How can we use it to bring the other folks so they can think for themselves, free their minds, and actually think for, is there something is there something, I guess, uh, mechanical, instrumental that we can do? Just all of us came to our awakening at, at a different mm-hmm. level. So something, you know, that all of a sudden we woke up, we heard a speech, or probably heard Brother Malcolm speak, and they go, "Oh right. wow!" You know, how, these folks who probably heard the speech, Malcolm's speech, mm-hmm. and he didn't touch him. How can we use AI to do that? How can we use AI? No, AI, AI is not going to wake anyone up. Let's let's be clear. You have to wake yourself up, all right? I I need people to understand this. Even if it's an external source, you still have to wake yourself up. That's what, and I know it's people thinking, oh, social media, you've seen um, a video on social media or something. I mean, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you have to make a decision. A person, the person has to make the decision. For those of us who already are supposed to be aware, uh, which, which, is not based off of what you know. It's based off of what you can do based off of what you know, the application of knowledge, the application of wisdom, first and foremost. So the best thing that we can do for people who have not gotten to that point yet is be an example. Be an example of what you say. Be an example of what you teach. If you are here talking about abundance and prosperity, be someone that lives abundance and prosperity daily. If you're talking about trauma, be someone who um, has gone through a process of dealing with their trauma. If you're talking about fear, be someone who has um, dealt with their fears. Be someone who's gone through that process of transformation. Be that person. If you are talking about activism, be a person who has been active in regards to your people and whatever activism means to people from a standpoint of being a teacher be a person who is living the example of being a teacher in regards to what it is that they're teaching all right that's how we do it as opposed to um, a lot of the inauthentic mess that we see out here happening taking place especially um, in social media which in turn um, becomes what people are doing in real life. All right. So that's important. Authenticity. Authenticity is, is a power source. Authenticity is. It is the highest so-called frequency or vibration. Not love is authenticity. You cannot love and not be authentic. So let's deal with the real science as opposed to new ageism. Authenticity is a power source. All right. Many people are not being authentic, and this is why they are in that sunken place. This is why they are not able to take accountability. This is why they are not able to 
look at particular things within themselves and deal with that and be accountable. So instead, they choose to um, gaslight themselves or they choose to live in the, uh, um, what is it, what is it? Oh, it just eluded me. Um, when people know the truth, yet they don't live the truth. Um, it'll come back to me, but it's a term for it. Right. Uh, 18 away from the top. Uh, you, mentioned the, you mentioned social media, and a lot of our folks are on social media. It, it's, it's amazing the things that attract our people, the gossip especially. How can we mm-hmm. turn that around to something intelligent that they can discuss something intelligent? It's usually something very negative. That, 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 is is right. there something in our DNA or some of our DNA that, that, that you know, gravitates to that kind of nonsense? Anything that's negative, it seems we, we pile mm-hmm. on and we're, we're, we're all in it uh, as far as it's concerned. Anything educational, they, they kind of stand back and say, I don't want to get mm-hmm. involved in any of that. How can we yeah. turn that around? Okay, so first of all, that's based off of AI, when we talk about social media, that's based off of AI and the algorithm. And the way the algorithm is set up is so gossip stories and entertainment stories, who's sleeping with who, and, you know, all these type of things that's used as distraction. That's intentional, right? So those things go viral in regards to social media. Um, They go viral. Now, also, in dealing with that, what has happened based on programming, and you deal with uh, synapses, you deal with neurology, you deal with the brain. So now what has happened over time is the human brain has been programmed to um, respond to or, or, wi- or wired from a negative, disagreeable uh, purpose. So this is why people gravitate to those type of gossip stories or rumor. Um, It's because of the negative wiring now that's taking place. All right. So um, it's not something that's genetic. It's something that has been programmed. So people tap into that program. And again, we're talking about people who are not authentic. And the majority of people are not authentic. So that's what we have to realize. All right. So it comes back to authenticity. All right. And first of all, be very clear when you deal with social media, what social media is. Social media, first and foremost, social media is um, government, CIA, FBI, all of the above. It always has been. So the sooner people understand that, um, (laughs) you know, maybe people can can be more more thoughtful in regards to how they deal with Social media, stop putting all of their business on social media, their personal lives, their children's lives, you know, all these type of things that people put on social media as daily habits and pathology when the point of social media is simply to um, hive all of that information and to use it for um, artificial brains. Um, And there's many different ways they can use artificial brains. Um, I'm not going to get into that right now because that's a topic. (laughs) That's a topic in itself. So social media, Facebook, um, Instagram, all of these different aspects of social media. um, Facebook originated as as, uh, DARPA, right? DARPA, Project Lifelog, uh, 2004. Then Facebook um, came on the scene, right? So we are very clear what this is and what it means, right? So we know that it's used for... um, 
um, to uh, as a as a means of uh, security, right? So people aren't don't have privacy and security, um, things of that nature. They're using it to spy on people, um, those types of things, counterintelligence, counterinsurgency. Um, so that's what they're using it for. One of the many reasons um, that that they're using it. So that's something that people have to understand. Um, they're using uh, human interaction as well um, to help teach these different aspects of AI because, again, they're always learning, quote-unquote, from humans. So this is something that, you know, people have no clue of what's really happening, even when we deal with the virtual world and what that really means. People have no clue what that really means. <laughs> So it's a lot of educating that I have to continue to do or teaching that I have to continue to do. Um, and those few out there that deals with this topic, these topics as I do, we have to keep teaching, 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 teaching. Um, right. And hopefully it will get to a critical mass. And, and I want to talk about the metaverse later, but we got some folks who want to talk to you. Uh, Delano's uh, reaching out to us from Washington, D.C. on line one. Delano, good morning. You're on with uh, Brother Siddiqui. Hey, peace, brother. Greetings. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, you definitely was on point about people wanting it. Uh, I think I found my awakening when I truly started to try to find out who I was, you know, mm -hmm. researching my history, but also mm -hmm. on the topic of social media. I would like to say, although I agree with what you're saying about social media, social media can be a good thing. Outside of, yeah. you know, putting your family on it, mm -hmm. I've bought hundreds of books from people mm -hmm. I follow you know, and the information they give out on social media. So, you know, it, it all attributes to your mindset also. You know, if you want to look at negativity, it's going to feed you a lot of what you want. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. <laughs> yes, you can use social media um, for beneficial things. You can use it for marketing. It's a lot of things that you can use it for. Um, again, we... The point is to get to critical mass um, so that, you know, a good number of, of our people um, use it for reasons that it can be beneficial instead of reasons that keep people uh, basically um, in nothingness, in rumor, in gossip, in, you know, in distraction and things of that nature. So, yes, absolutely. I agree. Um, I use it every day for beneficial purposes um you know the market show is beneficial as well to market events beneficial as well and but even with that like we still got to be careful because obviously we're telling them everything that we're doing so it's a given to take um i was listening y'all i kind of got sidetracked so uh my fiance i talked to my fiance a lot about you know politics and things i learned and things i research into and I think another issue in our community is that we haven't been taught well enough to be able to teach. So I talked to her about, you know, expressing these things to your friends, you know, bringing these things up, making it a, a forefront of just some of y'all conversations. But, you know, these are things our community is really interested in. So, you know, it really don't hold it don't hold as well in their conversations if you if you get where I'm going with it. And it's like it mm -hmm. makes us get the people who try to teach, it makes us 
not me per se, because I like to give our information, but it makes a lot of us tend to be like, you know, it's no use because mm-hmm. people are, you know, so, oh, yeah, and so quick to jump on. It's like it's a fight to try to mm-hmm. get people to see things from a different point of view. So in right. that aspect, how could we as a people, I guess, learn to teach better or, you know, be more patient mm-hmm. And trying to get our people to see some of the things we wanted to see. That's a good question. Thanks, Delano. Brother Siddiqui? Yes. Well, I don't fight with anyone regarding um, knowledge, information, wisdom. Um, I've been taught very well. You deal with people who are ready to receive. Those are the people that you teach. People who are not ready to receive, you don't waste your time attempting to teach them. All right. That's first and foremost. Um, If a person is not receptive, there's nothing you can do with them. Again, that's why I say people have to be ready for me to work with them. That's how it works. Right. We're not we're not fighting against ourselves. So we deal with people who are open to the knowledge. If they're not open to the knowledge, that means they're not ready. So you're wasting your time attempting to teach them. And all you're going to do is frustrate yourself. All right. And nine away from the top here. I, and we also want to talk about transhumanism and spirituality. If you want you, you know, break that down for us. Before we do that, JR's calling us from Ohio. Good morning, JR. You owe me brother Siddiqui. Um, yeah, can you get closer? Can you get closer to that phone? Uh, okay, sounds like. Me yeah, but you okay. sound like you're in, in, in the ocean somewhere. Oh, I yeah. hang up and call right back. Cause I, I All right. Know, like, why, why don't you do that uh, and okay. call us right back? Because we want to get you on, but you, it, you sound, you know, like you're in space somewhere. Anyway, eight okay. minutes away from the top there. I will come up on a break real soon. But I want to talk, uh, Brother Siddiqui, we break down the differences between transhumanism and spirituality. If you can explain to us what is transhumanism, first of all, and, and how close are we to when, you know, these 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 objects, if you will, have thoughts and and, and have feelings. Is, is that attainable, or is it the the stuff that people put into the computers that all this mm-hmm. algorithm they put in it and they spew it out? Is that why we, we talked about earlier about why the robots and most of the robots we see are white? We don't see any black robots. You know, if there are any mm-hmm. black robots there, they're going to be in, in a negative scene. So I want you to address those when we come back, because we come up on the break. Okay. And also we'll talk with uh, Sister J.R. Collins from Ohio. Family, you want to join this conversation with Brother Siddiqui Bakari? Reach out to us. Our telephone number is toll-free. It's also worldwide. It's 800-450-7876. Six minutes away from the top. I'll be back in four minutes with Brother Siddiqui right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. A minute after the top of the hour with our guest, a futuristic researcher, Brother Siddiqui Bakari, talking about AI, artificial intelligence, and all the latest developments. We're going to get back into them. We're going to talk about transhumanism and spirituality. But let's, uh, I think Sister JR is back with us again mm-hmm. from Ohio. JR? Okay. Oh, it- yeah, that's much better. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Um, I promise it is in the form of a question, Mr. Nelson, but, you know, addition to you all relate, uh, when uh, you kind of go on down that list, 
uh, Brother Siddiqui, and you were saying, you know, think about AI. They're telling us this about AI. The white man said that. Well, I would add to that list, too. It's also the white man that would say that makes black, well, quote-unquote, black people believe that the folks that don't participate in the non-sensory of um, Mm -hmm. uh, taking the lesser of two evils in the political process are the problems. It's also the white man that would say to our brothers and sisters that the folks that didn't want to participate in getting spike protein, they are the danger. They are the problems. You know, the list Mm -hmm. goes on and on. So I just Mm -hmm. had to throw that to your list. Um, mm-hmm. But my my questions are keeping in mind of much of which you answered. I'll, whenever you're on, if I get to hear you, all I do is just grab a pad. I don't usually call and just start noting. But um, mm-hmm. so um, in trying to do the own, my own work and realizing a lot of what you said, which is we can only really impact the waking up and the coming online of ourselves um, and the best examples are the way we live, keeping all those things in mind. I still wonder, have you noticed um, this this thing in the air where there's a lot of people, I hate to just say young people, but I would say like I'm the parent of a millennial generation person, right? Um, and I'm starting to have this sense that many of them are going with this quote unquote red pill ideas of <laughs> their parents. Yeah. See, I already knew you wouldn't know exactly kind of some of this, but like mm-hmm. they're 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 pointing because we all know about the, you know, the the black versus black woman versus black man aspect of things. But I think what we are missing is the other thing is it says that movement says your parents, your Gen X parents, they are such the problem. They did everything mm-hmm. wrong. You shouldn't listen to them. You shouldn't uh, confer to them. And I just wonder if you're sensing that portion mm-hmm. of the Red Hill <laughs> movement. And yeah. then if so, I, and if so, then, like, even though, you know, we can't get into the other person's mind or consciousness to try to bring them a little more online. Do you have any kind of um, thoughts about it, basically, because it it is very frustrating and a very harmful thing that's happening, causing our generations Mm -hmm. to separate more, which is the least thing we need. Yes, they're going to have to live some life and learn from experience. Um, Elders are important. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Right. And what I hear from millennials is their issue with elders, right? Now, what wisdom would teach a person who has been through decades of experience Wisdom teaches a person that you can learn from the elders, whether it's agreeable or disagreeable. That's wisdom, right? So we can learn from elders from from every aspect of those experiences that they've dealt with. If they're experiences that we should not continue, we learn that so we don't continue it. If there are experiences that we should continue to duplicate, we continue to duplicate it because of the success that it will garner. So 
when we look at the millennials, what are we dealing with? We are dealing with a very energetic generation. We're dealing with a very spiritual generation. But we're also dealing with, obviously, a generation that is inexperienced, a generation that lacks wisdom, a generation that lacks maturity, a generation that has not um, lived and been able to do the proper research that's necessary and have had the proper experience that is necessary. This is why every Mm -hmm. time I come on Carl's show, I talk about my teachers, the Ashra Quasies, the Steve Coakley's. Um, who is now an ancestor, the Amiri Baraka, who is now an ancestor, my mother, my father, and many others, my children. I learned from my children, my wife, everybody. So um, it's just a process that they have yet to go through, and they'll live life, and hopefully they'll learn. Uh, so, So with that spiritual essence that they have, that, that energy that they have, um, What's lacking is expertise, right? What's lacking is wisdom. So those are things that eventually they will garner. So um, in the future, I would think that they would really be able to be very viable from a standpoint of, you know, how we continue to move forward. But in the meantime, we just have to do the things that we're supposed to do as far as Generation X. Uh, We keep researching and laying out the true knowledge and all of the things that um, we know from reading books and not watching 30 second TikTok clips. Right. So these are the things that we're dealing with. Right. So we, we understand initiation and those type of things and the importance of it. Right. We understand you don't just get out here and start, you know, teaching. (laughs) It's a process. Right. right? So, um, but you know they'll mm. they'll get they'll get through that, and the ones that are serious will be open to learning and listening from the prior generation, as opposed to attempting to discredit them. Wow, profound! And on that note, you dropped the mic. Only thing I would um, thank you, Mr. Nelson, letting me stay on while. Uh, he said that. Thank you, because that is. I just wanted to make sure I'm not going crazy because I'm seeing it no. left and right. And You're the not. difference is, when I got angry and became more pro-black and things over the years, I didn't point back to my parents of um, what's Carl Nelson, what's y'all generation, baby boomers, and say yes. you are the cause of everything because I was looking yes. at it like they did the best they could. Whereas this generation yes. was looking back at Gen X saying y'all value is like this, that, and the other. So thank you for confirming that, and I'm hearing you, and I will try to infer my patience more Mm -hmm. and just wait, and like you said, let people live life. Thank you so much. Yes. All right. Thank you, Sister And that's programs. That's programming as well, Sis uh, Carl as well. That's that's programming. Those are particular narratives um, that the youth are being, you know, programmed into, so to speak. So it's a lot going on. It's not just them. Um, But, you know, when it's all said and done, um, that connection will definitely be there. We won't have a choice. All right. Explain to us the transhumanism. What is that concept? How it relates to spirituality? It doesn't. (laughs) Transhumanism is the merging of man and machine, right? So the merging of humans with uh, technology. 
Um, it, and I'm saying it does not relate to our spirituality from a standpoint of assisting it. Um, the purpose of transhumanism, AI, um, and, and technology, how it's being used, in essence, um, it uses our spirit, our soul, our consciousness, our awareness, and all of those things. Um, it uses it, it, it houses it, so to speak, all right? So uh, it's using us as a host, right? So this is why we talk about, you know, the, the programming and all of the different things that take place with the AI and algorithms. Well, all of that is being created based off of us, period. So transhumanism is tears, is different things and revolved re, re, in, in dealing with transhumanism is different levels, right? So everyone to a degree is already transhuman, just just from the standpoint of interfacing with your digital phone, social media, um, gamers, those type of things. So low-key, everyone's already, um, to a degree, dealing with transhumanism. But what we're talking about here, I think, is more of a level, or I know is more of a level of transhumanism, meaning um, a more immersive type of merging of man and machine. Right when we we start talking about nanobots and nanotechnology being um, in the human body, chips and these other different things, and how the technology, how our bodies become the technology for AI, um, those are heavier situations that um, we're going to have to deal with. Uh, we we won't be able to get around it. Um, just to give you an example. Apple Vision Pro, Apple Vision Pro. Um, it's supposed to launch this year. I don't think it's launched yet. Um, for some reason, if, if it hasn't, it definitely was supposed to earlier this year. But Apple Vision Pro, um, it's a high-end headset, so to speak. So it's augmented reality with full virtual reality capability. So when we say augmented reality, augmented reality is virtual reality on steroids. All right. So when we use the term augmented in regards or augment in regards to uh, technology and AI, it, it simply just means evolve or it's, it's supposed to be better um, as a particular technology. So it's, it's going to another level. That's all augmented means. So augmented reality is virtual reality on a whole nother level. All right. So. I'm, I'm mentioning this because as we talk about transhumanism, the purpose of Apple Vision Pro is to interface with your senses, all right? Now, I talked about this 15 years ago, even longer, <laughs> um, from a standpoint of sixth sense technology, sixth sense technology. So this is sixth sense technology on steroids when we say Apple Vision Pro. So now they're attempting to tap into your senses via technology, right? Virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, immersive reality. I'm going to give you a quote from an app developer named Anand Agarawala. Anand Agarawala. Now, this is the quote. This could be a real capture the imagination kind of year. 
this could be a real capture the imagination kind of year. Now, why would they want to capture your imagination? See, I've always said the imagination is quote-unquote God. So why would they want to capture your imagination? See, these are questions we don't ask ourselves, we don't think about. You know, we <laughs> we just go on every day like, you know, everything is all good. Why would they want to do it? Your imagination is metadata. They always talk to you about metadata from a standpoint of emails, um, an email system or whatever systems that house information or meta information, all right? So metadata is your imagination, your intuition, because what does it house? It houses information, all right? Uh, Your intuition houses information, past, present, and future, Sankofa, right? Um, Exponential growth. So that's what that is, right? Your imagination houses what type of data? It houses creation, um, data dealing with with art and those type of things. That's what your imagination um, holds and carries. All right. Right. And hold that thought right there because we're going to take a quick break and I'll I'll let you finish uh, telling us about that because that's important. And and how does it relate to the metaverse? Because all of a sudden now we haven't heard much about the metaverse. If you can explain that for us as well. 14 (laughs) after the top of the hour. I mentioned we're going to step aside and take a short break. We'll be back in four minutes, though, with Brother Siddiqui right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. Thanks for rolling with us, family. 21 minutes after the top there with our guest, the futuristic researcher, Brother Siddiqui Bakar. And Brother Siddiqui, I've been reading some of the reviews on your book, Nuclear Thought and Atomic Algorithms. So I need you to talk about that. It seems to get some good reviews here. But let's let's go and get into, and we've got uh, Sister Sarita wants to speak to. And folks, let me just say, don't get, in, don't get intimidated by some of the big words or some of the, the phrases that Brother Siddiqui uses. This is what the folks do because they use these kind of terminology that, you know, it's, it's not, that we don't use in common language just to put us off. But the metaverse, uh, Brother Siddiqui, what, what has happened to the metaverse? Is what you're talking about, this new product that's coming out with Apple, is this going to supplant this, or is this something different, or, or in addition to the, meta, the so-called metaverse? So the metaverse primarily <laughs> was a flop. Let's, let's just say it for what it is. Um, and the reason it was is because the people did not choose to support it. And I think that's important because at the end of the day, when we deal with AI and technology, it's based off of whether the people choose to support it or not, just like anything else. So the power lies in the people, in essence, and not the system. It's based on the people's decision-making, all right? So that's what um, is prevalent. Now, in regards to the metaverse, um, it's, it's still very important that we uh, understand the, the notion of what the metaverse is or what it was supposed to be, right, um, from a standpoint of a virtual reality interface and immersing people more into um, the virtual world itself. So as opposed to interfacing with it externally, the goal was for you to now interface with it internally and you actually become the virtual world or that virtual space um, 
itself. All right. So that virtual infrastructure, again, can't exist without us as humans. All right. So it's about us now being more enrolled into AI and the many different aspects of technology as opposed to being enrolled into ourselves and that transformation, that evolution, um, that aspect of empowerment, that aspect of um, ascension and creating what I call the ascension algorithm. All right. 23 after the top there. Uh, Sister Sarita's joined us from L.A. She's on line one. Good morning, Sister Sarita. Good morning, Carl, and good morning to your guests. I absolutely love when you have this guest on because I learn so much and I pay attention to so much. But my question is, I've been thinking about it in recent time. You, re- If you recall when we were younger and we saw the movie um, RoboCop, and we mm-hmm. were like, what, you know, what are they trying to tell us, right? And so mm. I always tell my children, I'm a, I'm a Gen X, but my girls are Gen Zs. And so I always tell, I remember my mom, and my mom was born, mom slash grandmother born 1918. So she raised me, my dad's mom. And so throughout the years, she would be like, I'm so afraid for you guys. I'm so afraid of what's coming for you, you know, down the road. And so mm-hmm. now my, I'm having that same conversation with my, I'm, I'm conversing with the girls like that too, saying, Lord, I'm so scared. Right. But here's, here's my question. Um, I think about how they had RoboCop, and now they're coming up with all these AI so soon humans won't be policing. And so mm-hmm. what, what is what I'm thinking, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, too, um, that's a whole nother thing that we would have to tackle because now a machine mm-hmm. is in control. So even though the hands of the human will be working the machine, the strong mm-hmm. or the strength of the machine is what, you know, has me, you know, just, and I, and I definitely, when we're on an open platform like this, I don't really like giving out these different gems that we as black mm-hmm. people think about because white folks take it and run, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. just want, if you can just touch on that and am I, yeah. you know, in this theory thing, like, oh, no, so that's not it. Or do I have something um, relevant here that I'm stating to you. And so I'll take my comments off the air. Thank you, okay. Carl, for taking my call. Excellent. Okay, so um, you mentioned RoboCop. So movies like that, those movies were used for massive programming. That's what those movies were used for, um, to get people desensitized to the notion of uh, having police officer that police officers that are cyborgs, cybernetic organisms, um, humans mixed with uh, robots or robotic parts, so to speak. Now, humans will continue to police, but there will be a military wing. Well, the police is military, but a (laughs) military wing that will um, definitely be used for war and military. All right. So, that's what's going to happen. It's, it's not going to be, again, it's, so it's about fear. Let me, let me be clear. It's about fear. So with it being about fear, they're going to give you um, this fear-based programming to make you think that all of this is now. All of this is now. <laughs> all of this is now. And what we see is 
not too much has changed. Look at the metaverse. Everyone had to get the metaverse. It was now, it was now, it was now. Now no one's talking about the metaverse a year and a half, two years later, right? You had this big push for AI in, in 2023. Um, AI, 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 you're not going to be able to do business without AI. You're not going to be able to do this without AI. Yet now that marketing strategy has gone down, right? So again, it's about fear. And I, I came on Carl's show and we did a whole show about um, the marketing and the fear with AI and all of that. We broke all of that down. All of those things are branding <laughs> for fear-based programming, all right? And to get people to make certain decisions based off of very limited research and information because people's research and information ends up being from the people who's targeting them to think and act in a particular way, whether that's psychologically, emotionally, and so on and so forth. So when we look at the police departments and things of that nature um, and whatever else it is that we're dealing with as far as human experience and the many different sectors of that, these things take time. These things don't happen overnight. They want you to think that it's happening overnight. It doesn't happen overnight because there has to be a massive programming for people to accept it first and foremost. And these technologies that you're seeing now are old technologies. I've always said this. They're at least 50 years old. So why are you just now beginning to see it? Because they have to get you ready and program you in order for you to accept it. All right? So that's what's happening. Um, we talk, We mentioned, talked about the metaverse. So Apple Vision Pro is what it is. And it will come out. Um, there'll be many different companies that will have their version of it, just like you have many different companies who had their version of the metaverse, Google, Microsoft, Apple, um, so on and so forth, uh, different types of meta landscapes, meta infrastructures and things of that nature. And ultimately we saw what happened with metaverse. It was trash. Um, the people didn't respond to it because it was trash and that's just what it is. So back to What's most important, and that is how do we transform ourselves with the Ascension algorithm? And I would love to give the tools to do that, Carl. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, why don't you just go ahead and do that then, because then we, later we can talk about your book, Nuclear Thought and Atomic Algorithms. Okay, excellent. And and we are talking about nuclear thought. This whole conversation has been about um, nuclear thought and atomic algorithms, and I thank you, Carl. I thank the listeners. Um, so the Ascension algorithm, things that we're gonna you're going to have to deal with in order to make it happen. Um, you may need assistance, and that's what I'm here for. Um, but let's look at it. So let's look at it. The Ascension algorithm, things that you can do. Tools to upgrade your genetic material, right? Um, whenever you're working on yourself, um, you can use intention to upgrade your genetic material, to upgrade healing, to upgrade your mental state. Um, so we look at consistency, discipline, and focus. 
What is that based off of? That's based off of pathology. That's based off of mindset. So there's things that we do to specifically deal with your mindset, whether that's visualization, whether that's meditation, whether that's uh, reading, whether that's overcoming fear and trauma, triggered trauma and things of that nature, um, being able to deal with disagreeable thoughts. So it's particular things we can do to deal with your subconscious mind. Um, I definitely teach people and assist people in being able to do that. Your central nervous system is very important because your central nervous system deals with anxiety, depression, and the many other things that it deals with and regulates um, within your body. I often say you have to go down the rabbit hole. In order to go up the spine, you got to go down the rabbit hole. All right? So in order to go down the rabbit hole, you have to deal with yourself. You have to be accountable, and you have to do the things that's necessary to uh, reset and restructure your subconscious mind. If you are working on your subconscious mind, you're also resetting your neurological self and your central nervous system. So you have to upgrade yourself. And these are proven tools in regards to you being able to do these things because I've already done these things and I've assisted many others around the world in doing this as well. So we know that it works. It's not something that we're trying. It's not an experiment. It's not theoretical. If you do the work, you get the results. So um, those are some of the things that a person can do. And there's many other things. There's many different, um, I call them technologies because they are technologies um, spiritual technologies that are part of who and what you are. So we assist people to tap into their divinity, their divinity, um, their quote unquote God self. We activate that um, as far as man manifestation as well. We activate that. So um, these are things that we can assist people with abundance, prosperity, um, all of these different types of things that, you know, a person may desire. Um, we can assist that person in uh, taking themselves to the next level, transforming themselves, and operating consistently in that ascension algorithm. All right. We're coming up on a break. When we come back, though, let's get into some of the topics that are in the book, Nuclear Thought and Atomic Algorithms. I like the first two topics. The the AI is PSYOP, and also the third eye versus AI. That seems real interesting. So if you, I'll let you explain that when we get back. Family, you want to mm -hmm. join this conversation with Brother Sadiqa Bakari? Hit us up at 800-450-7876 or 26 away from the top. I'll be back in four minutes, though, with your questions, your comments, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, Ron F. FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 21 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest. He's a futuristic researcher. His name is Sadiqi Bakari. If you'd like to speak to him, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Before we go back to you, now, let me just remind you, coming up in the next few days, you're going to hear from Chairman Fred Hampton. You're also a uh, reparations advocate. Cam Howard's going to join us. And Neely Fuller Jr. will also be here. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in real tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the Dave MV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. So when we left, I was talking about your book, Nuclear Thought and Atomic Algorithms, because you've got several books out. This book, you yes. call the topic of AI PSYOP and also the third eye versus AI. Can you explain those two for us? Yes, I can. So just before we do that, so people 
um, can contact me in, to order the book um, one-on-ones, to work one-on-one with me, or I have an upcoming um, class coming up as well. So if people would like to contact me, you can contact me. My name, Siddiqui, S-A-D-I-K-I, Bakari, B-A-K-A-R-I, Siddiqui Bakari at Hotmail.com. Siddiqui Bakari at Hotmail.com. You can also message me on Facebook or Instagram, same name, Siddiqui Bakari. Now, as far as nuclear thought, um, pretty much is what we've been talking about um, this morning. Um, just the power of thought, the energy of thought. Um, and as far as anatomic uh, algorithms, right, It thought being an algorithm and what thought can move, um, its power, its energy, its force, its explosion, to exist is an explosion, right? So um, that's what it's about, and we deal with the many different aspects of uh, spiritual technology as well as the many different aspects of empowered technology and the many different aspects of uh, AI, um, as you mentioned, the AI PSYOP, um, which which I've discussed from a standpoint of, of artificial intelligence being a psychological operation. Those slogans that I mentioned earlier in the show, um, that's a psychological operation to program people into thinking that AI is quote-unquote God or AI is the future or um, this notion of an AI revolution, all these different things. AI is smarter than humans. AI has consciousness. AI is sentient. AI is aware. All these things that are not true, all right? Um, all of these different types of uh, programming that's taking place. So when we looked at psychological operations from a standpoint of before it became an uh, artificial intelligence uh, notion, right? When we look at it, we know what we were dealing with, information, uh, media used to influence audience, uh, programmed uh, emotions, thoughts, reasoning, behavior, politics, religion, media, images, video, to create fear, um, to create trauma, to trigger trauma, to program the subconscious mind. So all of these things are taking place now via AI because AI is the vehicle, meaning the Internet, social media, things of that nature. So we see these things happening um, within those systems now, whether it's controlled opposition, uh, predictive programming, the Hegelian dialectic, doublespeak, cognitive dissonance. That's what I couldn't think of earlier, cognitive dissonance, when a person knows the truth, yet they still operate in falsehood. All right. Um, fear based programming, as I have mentioned, new age programming, which is much of um, what the millenni- the uh, millennials and Generation Z are dealing with. Um, the sister called in. That's primarily what they're dealing with is new age programming. Um, then there's victim consciousness and all these other things. That's part of this AI psyop. And it's tons of other things. <laughs> but this AI psyop primarily um to get people to have particular uh, thoughts, opinions, and reasoning about certain things that are just programmed. Do they use these all these different terms and technologies just to confuse us? How do you see it? Or, or is this well, part of the new lingo? To a degree, because people don't read. Um, so, I mean, that's problematic for a person who does not read. Uh, and I, I can I can give people what many of those terms are: transhuman, um, synthetic intelligence, organic intelligence, 
um, mm, post-humanism, singularity, the bionic age, nano age, robotics, homo evolutus, human plus, cybernetics, biotechnology, high-tech interface, bio-enhancement, brain gate, nanotechnology. So in other words, they're not talking to you. That's yeah, what all yeah, that uh, means. Really? So uh, 17 away from the top, because in the book you talk about 6G technology. Now we're on TV, yeah. we see uh, Comcast and, and these other mm-hmm. uh, cable networks are talking about 10G technology. So where are we? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, from a standpoint of the mainstream or, or what the public has asked, uh, access, asset, access, can assess right now, um, 5G. That's that's where it is for the public. But as you mentioned, they, it goes up to at least what we know, um, 10G, right? So <clears throat> 6G is the next generation um, from a standpoint of, of uh, that type of uh, technology, all right? So when we get into 6G, so 5G primarily is going to be the foundation for what is to come, all right? 6G, we're going to probably see that in another 7 to 10 years. And with 6G, 6G is going to be more immersive from a standpoint of how it interacts with humans or interfaces with humans. Now, 6G is when we start talking about the human being the power source. Because 6G, there's already um, scientists at one of those Amherst universities, um, and they've already done experiments dealing with 6G uh, technology and the power source are humans and light energy, light technology, because we are light beings. So we would be the source of the technology, 6G technology itself. So that's where they're headed. That's one perspective that um, that they're dealing with and, and, and can deal with. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is. It's going to be more immersive. Um, it's going to take some time. However, because people think that the technology is the future, they're not paying attention to, you know, we, we're here. Well, we're let not, me ask you this, though. Let me say this. Let me say Go this, Carl. We're not here because of AI. Uh-huh. We're here because of our connections to ourselves, to nature, and the universe. That's why we're here today. Well, let me ask you this question, because, you know, we talked about 5G and people were saying the birds are dying. And it, 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 and you it's know, true. And, and, and with something to do with the jab and all that. Uh-huh. Well, how immersive is 6G going to be then? Should we be more concerned? Well, yes. Because this is the thing. So before we get to 6G, what 5G is doing, 5G is the is. Let me let me say this in a way that's not too fearful. Um, 5G is taking its toll on our bodies, physically, spiritually, and psychologically. So by the time we get to 6G, if if it were to be through radio waves and things of that nature, um, now we're talking about the next level of that. Um, and it is a carcinogenic. You know, people want to say all these things. They want to say it's it's not damaging our bodies and all of these different things. It's a carcinogenic. It's so it's so many studies that's been done on this. There's so many doctors. There's so many experts that 
have done the science and the research on these things. It's no way to get around how the radio waves and uh, microwave technology and all those different things, how it affects our bodies. That's not even a logical conversation to have or debate anymore at this point. So when you get to 6G, that's another level. If it's radio waves and electromagnetic waves and things of that nature. But we do know they're talking about light technology and using us as the source, which is problematic. Because again, what's happening? We're yeah, being used again <laughs> as. But uh, you, you, yeah, I, I get that. But but you also talk yeah. about something that's interesting that we that's you know before we talk you talk about alien disclosure, uh, technology and motherships. Uh, it, 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 this is something that's being talked about, but, but sort of poo pooed. But, but then yeah. you know, just words coming out from the government says, yeah, there are probably aliens out there. You know, and, and people made that, you know, sort of poo-poo when uh, the, yeah. the Nation of Islam found it, it mentioned that mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. is it a reality or is it still, you know, something that people just talk about on, on the side? Mm-hmm. How do you see all this? Because you mentioned in, in the book about alien disclosure uh, and the mothership. Yeah. Right. So I'm only the only reason I'm dealing with it because I normally don't. And I've I've done tons of research on it, but I normally don't deal with it because people don't know what's going on on this planet. So why are we dealing with anything else? All right. So people don't even understand racism and discrimination and the government and politics and the judicial system and all these different things. But I'm going to deal with it for one reason. And that's because now it is very relative from a standpoint of artificial intelligence and technology. Right. So. From that perspective, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it from the standpoint of being a psychological operation, because if you think that what these white folks are telling you about so-called aliens or extraterrestrials, motherships, and all these other different things, you're sadly mistaken. All right? Why would they tell you the truth now? Now, I'm not saying that those things don't exist, but what I'm saying is artificial intelligence is being used to highly influence how people think and what people see. That's what I'm going to, well, that's what I dealt with in the book, but I'm also going to be doing a presentation later in March in regards to that. So I'm going to deal with with the uh, alien psyop, but it's more about how it relates to artificial intelligence, right? So is this alien intelligence that people are talking about? Who the hell are the aliens? Right. So these are questions that we have to deal with. Right. Are white folks aliens? Are we from other places? So these are things that we have to deal with. What what did our um, what's in some of our mythological stories or is it not myth? Is it reality? So these are things that we're going to have to deal with. You know, what was going on, what's, what, what's going on or what was going on in Area 51 and 54 and all these other things that's taking place? Um, are they among us? <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's going to be a very powerful presentation. Yeah, ten away from the top. He also mentioned the paid homage to Dr. Delbert Blair, Dr. Yes. Del Blair from the Medicine in Chicago. Yes. Used to be one of our regular guests before he made his transition. Uh, can you talk about Dr. Blair? Yeah, I was able to uh, spend some time with him. Um, he was in LA for uh, Return of the Gods in 2012. So, you know, I was able to talk to him, spend some time with him as well. He was at the Afiba Center 
um, and the Karash Unity Center um, that weekend. So, you know, it was just uh, a powerful situation from a standpoint of metaphysics, quantum physics, and things of that nature. So, yes, I definitely did a, a, a commemoration, dedication, tribute to him um, in the book. And I think it's so on point from the standpoint of who he is. And I say who he is because he still lives. You know, what was interesting, though, uh, Brother Siddiqui, he was one of the first ones to tell us about the issues with, with microwaves. Now they've yes. improved microwaves, but, they, they you know, mm-hmm. back then when they just started, a lot of that energy was seeping out. Can you t- discuss that a little bit? As far as, say that again, the microwaves? The microwaves, yeah. Is, is, are they better now? Because back then, you know, when they just started, a lot of that, that yeah. energy, it, it wasn't protected well. Are they, have right. they improved on it, the, the microwaves I mean, now? Can we, are they, can we use that. them, I guess, my question is. No, absolutely not. They'll say it's improved. They'll say so many different things. You should not be using microwaves under any circumstance. Stop. Stop. You might as well put yourself in the damn microwave. No, do not use microwaves. Microwaves are worse than you holding your phone all day or you being on a computer all day. Leave those microwaves alone, period. Gotcha. All right, Brother Siddiqui, how can folks reach you? And when are you having your classes? They want to learn more? Yes. And they want to do one-on-ones with you? How can they reach you? Yes. Okay, so they can reach me at my uh, email, SiddiquiBakari at Hotmail.com. S-A-D-I-K-I-B-A-K-A-R-I, Siddiqui Bakari at Hotmail.com. You can also message me on Facebook or Instagram, same name, Siddiqui Bakari. Um, and you're only contacting me to do one-on-ones with me, so you can get the pricing and, and all the information you need in regards to that. Um, if you're ordering the book, Nuclear Thought, or if you would like to order book packages, which I also have. Thirdly, for my upcoming class, um, you'll need to register for that this week. So I would definitely need to hear from you this week. And the class coming up is the uh, God Activation and God Manifestation Technology. That's what we'll be dealing with. So those of you ready to go to the next level, um, I look forward to getting an email from you or messages from all right. Hopefully it hasn't dropped. Sound like he dropped. But Brother Siddiqui, we're just about out of time. I want to thank you for all the information that you shared with us today. Family, we're done for the day. Stay strong. Stay positive. Please, please stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power.